Friday, July 13th. Yes, Friday the 13th. And you are tuned in to Season 2, Episode 28 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hami Media. On today's show, RBV and I will be previewing all the big events from this upcoming weekend. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, but I am joined as always alongside my favorite Huckleberry, Huckleberry number one, RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that R and the B to the B. Now, what am I, am I doing an open or a close here? What am I doing? Uh, yes, this is actually the uh, Clopin. The Clopin. The Clopin. Okay, uh, so they don't need to find me anywhere on social media yet. They just need to be able to, uh, to stay tuned for the next couple hours to uh, just to put up with our voices. But I'm going to tell you, they are going to want to, they're going to want to stay in through this entire show. We've got two great guests coming up. We've got tons of personality busting out of this show. We're going to be running down Extreme Rules with, with the great Ben Hameen. And then we're going to switch over gears, head to the other side of the globe with A-Track Brown to talk a little G1. Yep, yep. And we're actually we're actually recording this after all of that because when you have guests, you accommodate their schedule and you take care of your bullshit afterwards, right? I mean, that's, that's just the proper and courteous thing to do. That's how we do it here. That's how we do it. So uh, I guess... Let's just jump into this shit. Well, we did have a couple topics that we wanted to touch on before we get over to the Ayatollah himself, Ben Hameen. Uh, Rick, we, we, we've been asking a question. We've been wondering why in the hell New Japan Pro Wrestling is not getting out of California. I found out. I found out. This is due to their working relationship with Ring of Honor. So, so New York peeps, freaks, and geeks, if you are upset that you are not getting New Japan Pro Wrestling right now, the reason is because you are getting Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor Wrestling is not running the West Coast right now. They are staying out of New Japan's hair. New Japan Pro Wrestling, for the time being, is staying out of Ring of Honor's hair, and that's why they are not running the Midwest and the East Coast. This information coming out just over the last couple of days, I guess my big question to you is, how long is New Japan going to put up with this? Well, you know, right now, if it's if it's not broke, why why try to fix the thing? Oh, I this, agree. This makes this makes tremendous sense for both for you know for both of these parties because especially you know in most cases they share a lot of talent. Yep. They they need each other right now. You know, together they can achieve you know great things in this business. If they don't have that partnership, they are just very – it's that much more easy for the picking for WWE to come in and just completely wipe them out. I just – I wonder now with uh, Harold May taking over as the president of New Japan Pro Wrestling and him having such this this hair up his ass to really expand into the West, 
I wonder how long New Japan is going to keep this uh, relationship with Ring of Honor just to keep things cordial and uh, prohibit their current Western expansion. Because at a certain point, they got to get the hell out of California. Well, it, we don't know what you know what the growing partnership could be going for. I know at one point you had you speculated that that possibly New Japan would look at purchasing. Ring of Honor. I, I I am still in that bandwagon. I would love to see New Japan Pro Wrestling just straight up buy Ring of Honor from Sinclair Broadcasting. And, and maybe you know you want to stay on good terms there to keep that open, and then you have that expansion from those markets. You know, maybe maybe it's a simple thing of just really how they start branding these dual shows instead of trying to present them as against each other. That's a good point. That's a good point. See, this is why we keep you around, Huckleberry. This is why we keep you around. Uh, something else that occurred to me the other day, uh, Rick. I now know. Roman Reigns is not the merch machine that everybody keeps telling me he is. I got to thinking about this just the other day. What is the number one moneymaker for the WWE when it comes to merchandise? Do you have any idea? Well, I don't, I don't want to stooge anything off going forward, but later on when Ben joins us, I, I think he might have an idea of his own. But why don't you go ahead and let me know what what you have found? What have you uncovered? It's the licensing for WWE 2K and the damn video game. That's the number one merch seller for the WWE. Now, you and I both know, because we have talked about it several times on this show, the WWE does not choose the cover athlete for WWE 2K. Anybody want to guess how many times Roman Reigns has been on the goddamn cover? Zero. You know why? Because 2K wants people to buy the fucking video game. If Roman Reigns was such a merch machine, he would be on the cover. When you look back at the history of who was on the cover of the WWE video games, Hulk Hogan was on every one for the better part of a decade. The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, John Cena, CM Punk, now AJ Styles. Look back at all the covers. There ain't a Roman Reigns to be found anywhere because the video game companies want people to buy the video game. I, I, I love the observation, bro. Now you're making me like like long for the good old days of video games, man. Give me, give me the NES, the Super NES. Give me those games. And even the early PlayStation. I just can't get into any of these new games today. Man. It's just, I, I just like the old school rough feel of video gaming. But I think you found, you found it, man. You found the evidence that the outside companies realize that there is no money in Roman Reigns. They want people to buy the video game, so they purposely do not put Roman Reigns on the cover of the video game. He's headlined the last four WrestleManias. Look at the last four WWE 2K covers. Ain't a Roman Reigns to be found anywhere. So I don't want to hear this bullshit that Roman Reigns is this merch machine. It proves what I have always said. It is saturation of merchandise. If I have 25 Roman Reigns t-shirts, I have two AJ Styles t-shirts. I am going to sell more Roman Reigns t-shirts than AJ Styles. Over the course of time, it's oversaturation. Those numbers are easily manipulated. But not this. Nope. I got you, motherfuckers. I got you. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, Rick. 
because I think this is incredibly bizarre. And I know there's a very good pitch for this individual later on in the show, but coming into Monday, we all knew there were two big stories. Well, three big stories. Number three, the firing squad and what they did to the bullet club. Number two was Hiromu Takahashi and a broken freaking neck. But the number one story, the lead of the locker room on Monday, was Brock Lesnar. Why in the world was the Beast Incarnate's name not uttered once on Monday Night Raw or Tuesday Night Live SmackDown? They didn't even say his goddamn name once. You know, again, missed opportunity, especially when we know now, you know, looking back at this thing, the lowest rated Raw, not just of the year, of the year, of the past few years, of all time. And yet you have the opportunity to play off of the hottest, not even the hottest dudes in wrestling, some of the hottest dudes in all of sport. You have the opportunity to play off of that. Why are you not hyping it up? Why don't you have uh, a McMahon out there with an official with an official re- or, you know statement of their own? They want to address this matter. You could. There's so many things you could have done. You could have started with Kurt Angle addressing it. You could have started with Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, Vince himself, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman with the briefcase. I was just gonna say, you know, they, they want to push. They want to push the Roman agenda. Why wasn't he? He's been Roman has been screaming this. For over seven months, Brock Lesnar doesn't even care enough to show up here. And the one time, the one time Brock Lesnar actually shows up somewhere, and you don't even say his fucking name on television? And you know what's 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 more peculiar about that is they made the decision to pull it from television, but they were running it right away Saturday night over at .com and through social media. Yes, that's the most baffling part. Immediately, WWE's tweeting about this, but we won't say his name on TV. They were one of the first ones acknowledging it. If you were trying to tell this story, if you're trying to build the agenda to, to whoever takes that championship to get some sense, you know, get the heat on Brock, he handed it to you right here. On a silver fucking platter. I would maybe let's let's try to give them a little bit of credit. Maybe they're just not that just I, I guess I try to refrain from this, but they're just not that fucking stupid. Maybe there was like something that we don't know prevent, that was preventing this. Now, I know we sound hot off of the open here. Now, keep in mind, we've actually been recording for almost three hours at this point. So, yeah, we're kind of hot. We're kind of hot. But man, how do you not pay attention to the biggest elephant in the room? Come on, get it together, WWE. Get it together. So let's uh <clears throat> let's throw over to a real quick break. Let's uh let's let's hear a word from uh uh the Ayatollah's tag team partner, Stevie Richards, and then uh we'll run a bumper. We'll be right back, we'll run down extreme rules, and then uh you'll have your musical break, and then G1 Climax 28 with 8-track Brown, and maybe, just maybe. I can find my way into the 8-track core. Just maybe. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. 
I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. Hi, this is Ring of Honor senior official Todd Sinclair, and you're listening to The Locker Room. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back inside The Locker Room Studios. It's, it's time for your Extreme Rules preview. Huckleberry, I got, I got to make a, a, a confession here. Uh, Extreme Rules is my least favorite of all the WWE pay-per-views because we all know how much I love gimmick matches. So, so we, we, we've, we've brought in the experts. We have brought in the Ayatollah himself, one of the godfathers, the founding fathers of Hameen Media, OVW from 2CW. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Ayatollah Bin Hameen! Yo, Allah and Bin Fidels, that's right, we're here. It's Extreme Rules, about to get real extreme out here with your Monday locker room cruel. The, that infidel Jargo and that moron Vickery, they're in the house. They tried to infiltrate me, but they didn't know that they were going to get hacked today. And it's Hacker Hameen for your Extreme Rules preview. Yalla. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, I always still have to have been on. Uh, but you know, even at, at a low point here, we're going to have to talk about this, this pretty pathetic Extreme Rules uh, build towards this show. But hey, I'm more excited. You know, in about six weeks... No jargon myself. We're going to be all in. So we said, "What the hell? Let's just go all bin today." That's really turn turn off the turn off the heat. Love That's it. what Stevie's calling it too. We just finished recording the locker room on Twitch.tv slash Conspiracy Horseman. So Friday locker room, early Thursday preview. Just uh, trying to get that channel up and more content and easy to download from there. But uh, he's calling it all bin, even that show as well now. So even though we just came off of uh, the Dynasty uh, Pro Wrestling all bin show, uh, it, it's going to be all bin all year long, you guys. They they messed up. But uh, Cody did unblock me on Twitter. So uh, heels over strong once again. And I'll tell you what, Jargo, not your favorite. What you, you, Are you missing great balls of fire this year already? Is that one you're missing or no? You know, you know what's funny, though, is we say that in great balls of fire was one of the better shows that they did all of last year that's That's the sad part that's right that's not great (laughs) that's the sad part you know so so we're gonna have uh the hacker himself on for the extreme rules preview and then i i thought i thought about bringing him on for the g1 preview too but of course we know that the correct answer is hameen over strong he'll beat anybody in japan yeah, there isn't one Jap over there that can touch me. Uh, see him. They'll, they'll be crippled left and right. There'll be nothing, but uh, they'll have to do the next one from the intensive care unit if I go over there. So let's uh, let's take a look at Extreme Rules, of course, coming to us from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I guess let's start with the pre-show match because uh, th- this is uh, definitely um, – quite the synopsis of why I am not an extreme rules fan. Ladies and gentlemen, we have in a tables match, the new day taking on sanity. 
and, and here is the creative for this match. On July 3rd, Sanity saved us all from the New Day's pancake eating contest. That's the creative here. And no, I'm not kidding. That is legitimately the creative here. Uh, Huckleberry, I, I assume that you are going with Sanity over Strong as you are now on total pri- protest of IHOP. Well, you know, you're, you're kind of, I don't think you're giving us the credit it deserves. It's, I'm, I'm looking at this entire card here. You're, you're just laying out the creative. They put an end to the stupid-ass pancakes. That's probably the, the most that I have popped in the last six weeks in WWE programming. So thank you, Sanity, for putting an end to that bullshit. But I think, yeah, at this point, you have to have Sanity go over. Now, let me ask you real quick. Do you know this is a tables match? Is this just the first individual to go through the table, or is this all three through a table? Well, let's ask the expert himself, uh, Ben Hameen. Do you know what is the rules of a trios tables match? And I think it's first man to go through the table, not put all three through. So there should be some falsies here. And even even when a tables match is your pre-show opener, <laughs> you know that that's that's kind of messed up in itself. But uh, what they did with Sanity finally in the last week compared to how they debuted them, you know, being in the light and uh, they, sh- they should have had that Wyatt family feel with pre-tapes and all that. It seems like they debut these guys and then maybe about four weeks in, they finally start getting it right into how to tell their character. Uh, but it, it, to me, it's got to be sanity up here because if you bury your heels out of the gate right here, then what stakes is there, you know, going forward? And if you're going to keep the three-man crew together through SummerSlam uh, and, and let this be your build, then uh, then it's got to be heels up. They need heat. Otherwise, they just look stupid at the end of this, and they're already fully buried. But I wouldn't put that past the crack genius writing staff to book it that way either. Well, Ben, let me ask you this about you know how this thing should – how the finish should play out. Obviously, you know in our minds, they're probably going to go you know the, the cheap route here. We're going to see like maybe Woods go through the table or some kind of, I don't know, just gimmick out, just swerve ending. You know, to me, though, to really send home a point – to put Sanity over, and especially Killian Dane, I'd really love to see him, you know, with one of those big spots putting Big E through that thing to really hammer home a message. That'd be good, but at the same time, you could also go no contest and do the Big E spear on him through the middle rope, and they both go through the table uh, at the same time to, to really just set that feud in motion and not give a finish where someone's got to be buried left and right, you know, that way. And they, they both go through, uh, or you could do something with Eric young uh, on the top rope battling back and forth. And he ends up, uh, taking out Kofi, uh, off the top rope that way. I thought it was interesting that you brought up them being a three man crew. Is this going to be a three man crew or is this uh, building up to a five man crew? Are the bludgeon brothers insanity all going to kind of become one unit here? Of course, we saw them all as a team on SmackDown live. Does that do anything for you? Uh, I'm, I think it's just uh, darker characters that needed to be put together in that big 10 man. Uh, who needed to get their business over. I mean, that's a house show finish, man. I mean, like that that's a dark match, OVW dark match special. I've seen that match 20 times, uh, you know, after TV goes off the air. So to put it on uh, TV is just like, 
man, what what are they really booking for here? So uh, I wouldn't put all those guys together because you already got the smaller leader in Eric Young and the two big men. Now you're going to have two bigger men to outshine your big men in that crew. Uh, I, I don't think that does them, does them justice. Plus, uh, Harper and Rowan have already got the Wyatt family pedigree uh, on them. They can split off. They don't, there doesn't, they, it kind of needs to be, okay, we're just on the, the dark side of things. You guys do your bit. We'll do ours. Rick, I think if, if we're going to keep them as two separate entities, it's only a matter of time until Killian Dane and Alexander Wolf or Eric Young, some combination of the two, are coming for the Bludgeon Brothers. Is that a match that you would like to see going forward? You know, as, as long as that they, they stay true to what each side represents, and I think that takes you back to you know what something that I personally love about the traditional style of professional wrestling. That's just some big great character monsters going at it. That's something I would definitely get into uh, as long as they could just somewhat get it right. I do think it's hilarious that every analyst that I listened to took this as a sanity babyface turn when they interrupted the uh, pancake eating contest. Absolutely fantastic, fantastic <laughs> I think, stuff. I think with uh, you know those guys all being dark entities, uh, they can look like they're going to side with each other, but at the end of the day, there's no honor amongst thieves when it comes to heels. So I could see those two big men turning on Bludgeon Brothers maybe after SummerSlam if we're going to actually do some business for the next six weeks and and build sanity and uh, and New Day together. But yeah, anything that stops the pancake spot, I'm all, that's over with me. Let's move on to the uh, main card, and let's start with what I assume very well may be the main event. And of course, I am talking about Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax. Yeah, I think that very well could end up being the main event, all because Ronda Rousey will be sitting at ringside. Of course, at Money in the Bank, Alexa Bliss won the Money in the Bank ladder match. Later on in the night, she interrupted the Raw Women's Championship match between Rousey and then-champion Nia Jax, cashed in her Money in the Bank contract, and won the Raw Women's Championship. The following night, uh, Jax invoked her rematch clause for Extreme Rules. Rousey was also suspended for 30 days as she attacked Raw General Manager Kurt Angle, who was trying to break up the fight between Rousey and Bliss. On the July 2nd episode of Raw, um, the match at Extreme Rules was made an Extreme Rules match. It was also announced via video package on Raw, even though she's suspended from Raw, that Rousey would be sitting ringside for the match, and she even bought her own ticket. Oh, wow. Ben Hameen, is this like the worst build to a championship match in the history of championship matches? Uh, you want to talk about getting, you know so little return on your main investment to suspend her. And then she's working all the house shows like social media isn't going to stooge that off constantly. So your suspension of disbelief is completely shot in the ass right, right away. Like just, you know, completely awful. Like, so you're bumping her out for no apparent reason for no payoff. Really <laughs> sure. She needs the ring time, but then everyone's like, look how awesome she is. Well, she's doing awesome. She'll do it later too. She's, uh, you know, shown improved on on the pay per view she's been on, and and really stepped up compared to what her promo game is. Um, to have her at ringside uh, is the equalizer. Like she had heat with Nia Snacks, and now what? She's going to start with Alexa Bliss to pay off at SummerSlam. So is she going to actually cost Nia the match, or is you know what what way do you guys see her being involved? Well, I mean, obviously she's going to be involved. I mean, to borrow an old line from WCW, they are actually promoting the, the big cliffhanger for this match is Ronda Rousey will be sitting ringside and she bought her own ticket. 
To borrow a line from WCW, that's going to put asses in seats. Huckleberry, how do you see this thing going down? Well, yeah, I, I kind of want to go back to what you know, Ben was touching on there with how they actually handled this entire thing with Ronda with the suspension. And then they try to come out, well, we, we were con, you know, contractually obligated to have her work in these house shows. To me, when I saw that, you know, have some fun with that. It should have gone with like when Hogan was under suspension, he came back as Captain, you know, Mr. America. Put her under a mask at those house shows. Have some fun with it. You know, get the crowd, you know, a little more interactive, something special to go attend a live event there. What was what was the name of that uh, Mickey James character? La Luchadora. She could have been La yeah. Luchadora. You know, you had one of those things where it's obviously her, her ring gear, but you just got some stupid mask with there. Have a lot of fun with it. This entire thing, out of all of the, I guess, terribleness that's going around surrounding the women's divisions in WWE, this one has been the most confusing. And you almost, it's to a point where you just feel sorry for everyone involved here. Uh, you know, just even Natalia getting grouped in here, all her role has been for, you know, during the suspension is just to come out and speak for, speak on behalf of Rhonda because they're best friends here. So she's kind of, you know, taking it in the ass there a little bit. And then you got Nia who's just flip-flopping everywhere. I don't even know what direction they're going here. Well, it's an, go even, it's an even numbered day. So today she's a baby face. Okay. So we'll go with that. So today she's on the baby side. Tomorrow we don't know. I'm going to have to agree with Ben. I, you know, Ronda's got that heat with with both of these women. I think somehow, you know, it, it seems that Ronda is going to come in. She's going to try to maybe help Jax. That, that backfires, obviously, so that Bliss can steal another victory. And she's she's running for the hills until she catch up with her at SummerSlam. I think the yeah, most intriguing... It's got to be some kendo sticks uh, shenanigans, right? Because she hit her with the kendo stick, so she go for it again. Rana jumps uh, the rail, grabs a stick, turns around. Looks like uh, she's going to get you know the shot on her, some type of slip, and Nia Snacks comes in while Rana swings the kendo stick, and then you know simple roll up or something along those lines. But the, I don't, I'm not sure where they they're going to go because the the story was two best friends are fighting and now they hate each other. We've got a mean girls platform. And now the other one was, you can't get me in an arm bar cause I'm a super heavyweight and I can get that. So there's, it's like one baby face, two heels, and then a tweener between Nia snacks. Who's not really a, a tweener at all. So it's just like, uh, what psychology do you play this out? I'm not even trying to look at other scenarios where this has happened before just doesn't really make a ton of sense. And Alexa Bliss going away with the win is going to make her look more babyface than anything. I think I go no contest. I think I go no contest on this match because I think not only would I have Ronda Rousey sitting ringside, I would have the other three of the MMA horsewomen sitting ringside with Ronda Rousey. And I would have all four of them jump in there and just beat the shit out of both of them. And then you end up with a triple threat scenario in Brooklyn. I say I would. I want to stay away from that triple threat by any means. I, I I just want to move past Bliss and Jax and get Jax as far away from this title picture as possible. I, I, I'm curious to see. I guess if there is one thing that would kind of perk your interest in this match is to actually see how they use this extreme rules stipulation here. Like how extreme is this thing going to be, or is that just simply put in place there to make sure that it's okay when Ronda gets involved here? Ben, final thoughts on this match. Yeah, I think you guys are spot on with that, man. Uh, I don't, I don't know about the other uh, horsewomen. I think the other two are too green, and I just wouldn't trust them to be in the right spot or make things look believable on TV at this point. Um, Shayna Baszler, maybe, 
but uh, the other two, not so much yet. So I, I think that they're not a draw or established as much yet either. That's just kind of a strictly internet thing. Uh, and uh, they want to keep it with those three. But uh, no contest, maybe. But uh, the extreme rules is definitely the reason why she can jump out and, and do something right away. Of course, personally, I want to see Shayna Baszler actually become the muscle for Alexa Bliss leading into this feud with Ronda Rousey. Uh, let's move on to the uh, Deleters of Worlds taking on the B team for the Raw Tag Team Championships on uh, the June or I. June 4th episode? Jesus, this goes back all the way to June 4th. On the June 4th episode of Raw, the B-Team uh, won a tag team battle royal to earn the right to face Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt for the Raw Tag Team Championships by last eliminating Heath, Slater, and Rhino. On the June 25th episode of Raw, Axel defeated Hardy in a tag team uh, title match was scheduled for Extreme Rules. Since then, we've seen this match a couple of times due to uh, Bray Wyatt's injury. It's an absolute shame that we never really got to see Bray versus is Bo and the build to this match. Uh, since this match was announced, it has very much been presented as a comedy match for Extreme Rules. Be sure that this is going to be placed somewhere as a cooldown match throughout the card. There's like 11 matches on this show. Um, ben, what do you think of the entire build to this match? Man, they found something for uh, Perfect's kid that he could do an impersonation and they just beat it like a dead horse, didn't they? Uh, you know, obviously it kind of helped them though with uh, Bragan in the car accident. So they last week they were probably thankful for it, but uh, just to keep going over and over and over it again, um, you have already uh, two drawn out characters versus satire now. Now, are the geniuses backstage going to say, um, you know, these guys have been on a win streak, so we got to keep them on a win streak and bury your top high-level property moneymakers. Or are they going to actually say, all right, these guys are a comedy act. We got a lot out of it right now, and let's let our the leader of worlds, the real established vets, go over on them how they, how they should. Um, we'll see. We'll see which way uh, it, it turns out. But I would say if it was me, I, would, I definitely uh, would have Matt and Bray going over. I agree. I would go with Deleters of Worlds over Strong. Uh, Huckleberry, I know you've been a big supporter of the B-team since their inception, even as the Miztourage. Do you think that there's any chance that they are walking away with the Raw Tag Team Championships here? Well, I have to you know, I have to agree with you guys. I don't think that's the right move. And I've, I've been you know, one of their number one fans from the get-go. These guys, you know, you give them an inch, they, they go a mile with it. I mean, everything that they touch has been pure gold, you know, and they're just so subtle and how they present themselves. I think what's maybe a little bit of a turnoff here for this program, though, is, as Ben was saying, they have beaten this, you know, this comedy act, you know, like a drum. Uh, it's almost where it's worn out. And on the other side, pretty much the only presentation they've given us from Hardy and Wyatt is they're, they're just there to kind of just make their entrance and get their gimmicks over. It's just catchphrases, you know, get, get the crowd involved and be, you know, and just get their stuff in there. But this week, Matt Hardy actually said that he was going to eat the B team. Okay, we'll we'll see what kind of joke they twist this into. I'm hoping that we do get a much more serious the leader the leaders here, and that they come out here and take care of business, and and we start moving forward with a more serious tag division because right now this this entire division's in shambles. I really want to see something like delete or decay. 
That's really what I want to see. I want to see this thing start in the ring and then end up backstage and go to a crazy vignette. And I want to see teleportation to the Hardy compound. And I want to see the IRS and Mr. Perfect. I want to see all of that. And I don't think we're going to get any of it. Don't think we're going to get any of it. You're right. That could, a, that could be a show stealing protector for this match. And I don't think they put in any of the time to, to get that done. There may be an IRS spot. That would, that would be something that would actually stand out this way. But, uh, just to look at these guys and I, I don't disagree, Vickery, they, they are given, uh, chicken shit turning into chicken salad, uh, when they can. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're looking at IRS and Mr. Perfect's kid, and this is the best you got for him. Like this, that's, it's so disrespectful. I was, I was always hoping that this match would actually take place at the compound, so that you could actually see Bo and Curtis go into the lake and maybe come back as IRS and Mr. Perfect himself. Or you know, what was the? Um, it wasn't at the compound, but Ben, you, you'll definitely know this. Uh, I know you guys covered on the Impact Attack. What was the spot they did in the arena where it was half live and then half of the pre-tape that they went into the back? They were taking on Decay, correct? Yeah. That was, and, it, was, mm-hmm. and then we actually saw like different characters from from Jeff Hardy there. So maybe yep. we get something like that. I think that would be great. And you could see Bo and, and Curtis really show their range working a few different characters in this one match. And you've, you've got um, – uh, what's his name? uh Borash there who <laughs> directed all that stuff. You just give them that project for two weeks beforehand and have it all ready to rock and roll, man. You, you, you can pop everybody. I like the going into the Laker reincarnation. They're already playing satire characters. It's not disrespectful to Mr. Perfect for him to come out like that. It's not disrespectful to IRS. Like let them be that through SummerSlam. Let's see how that gets over. And then where can we go from there? Let's, let's, let's not worry about, Oh, these guys got to be this for the next two years. Let's go six weeks at a time, you know, and, and how much can we get out of that? You know, of course, I, I, I think no matter who wins here, inevitably, they're going to run into the authors of pain, which should put either one of these teams down quite promptly and quickly. Well, at least I felt that way until Monday when the authors of pain were buried in that giant freaking melee. But we'll talk about that here in a couple. Uh, let's talk about SmackDown Women's Championship uh, with James Ellsworth in a shark cage. I don't know why all of a sudden the WWE has decided to bring this gimmick back out of the dead. Like they didn't do it for like 25 years. And now this is going to be like the fourth or fifth one in the last two years at money in the bank. Carmella retained the SmackDown women's championship by defeating Oscar with the help of uh, that chinless bastard, James Ellsworth on the following episode of SmackDown. Carmella attacked Oscar after distraction from Ellsworth on the June 26th episode of uh, SmackDown general manager page scheduled a rematch for the title at Extreme Rules for absolutely no reason because it's not like Asuka's won a match since WrestleMania. Uh, last week, we saw Ellsworth take on Asuka only to lead to a double countout. This week, once again, we had the Battle of the Sexes in a Lumberjack, not Lumberjill match that went all of about four minutes. After the match, Page announced that Ellsworth will be suspended above the ring for the match on Sunday in a shark cage. Boy, this just screams five-star classic. This just screams it. Uh, ben Hameen, what do you think of Ellsworth in a shark cage? No stakes. I mean, uh, just because he's a, a cheater and a, and a rat, like she should be able to take him out in a second because here we have another Alexa Bliss-style chicken shit heel in Carmella 
who's not really money, who does a moonwalk, and that's about it. Uh, you know, not a true threat to Asuka, who was a world beater, <laughs> you know, women's Royal Rumble all the way up to WrestleMania. They built her and Shinsuke, and then they paid off nothing. And since then, they've been half a rib, and everything that they built in a real build for them has been knocked down. So, I don't know, maybe they just got a lot of those. Uh, they Remember when they put that set out, the, the Shark Cage toy set, and they got a whole warehouse full of them? They're just like, shit, we got to move these. That's the Let's only up. thing that makes any sense to me is the merchandise. Ben, I'm on the same page as you as, as you were kind of talking there. I just shot over to WWEshop.com under the toy section. The second panel that flips over is that Shark Cage toy that's, set. It's got to be it, bro. Uh, it's and they are trying to push this thing for fifty four ninety nine. Oh my god! I can't believe that. But talking about Oscar Ben, real quick, did you happen to see they just released a, a a photo shoot of today's superstars paying tribute to ECW legends? And Oscar is rocking the BWO gear. Oh, I've been busting Stevie's balls about it all day. We actually, <laughs> we actually just talked about it on the locker room, so you guys can tune in uh, here on Friday locker room and and hear that. But uh, you know, there is something to be said of like how many times have they tried to bingo haul it or or put down ECW as second rate, third rate, and here we are, eighteen years later, and they're still having to use this for a cheap pop. And who, who's their demographic? You think twelve year olds understand who the BWO is? Do they have any idea what went on at that time, right? Well, like, did you guys see the whole series of photos involved in this thing? I mean, you got Sonya Deville as Raven. Uh, Carmella's in it. I forgot who Carmella was playing, but she uh, she's she's Al Snow because she's rocking that's that head. Right. Yeah, and and you've got uh, uh, as Dreamer uh, uh, Bocce Lynch as Dreamer, and <laughs> I was, uh, I was gonna, you know, I'll give her credit. I, she was looking damn good in those photos. I don't know about that, man. Uh, <laughs> and then it, but the one I did like was actually Xavier Woods as New Jack. I was like, damn, Xavier looks like a legit badass for once. He doesn't look like some comic book character, uh, little kid stuff. I was like, that, that dude, I, I wouldn't mind him as a legit badass after that. But point being is ECW, that's a specific demographic, 35 to 50-year-olds right now that you're trying to appeal to. And sure, it's extreme rules, so I get what the crossover promotion is because all you've done is steal that bit there. And actually, I just put it over with Stevie, and I got him sitting right here. I didn't have to pull him out of the, the library. But, uh, I mean, we went through them all. And, and this one right here, Rise and Fall of ECW, not that you guys can see. I don't think at home we don't have video is, uh, you know, one of uh, the top sellers in the history of WWE DVDs. Uh, so when they, whenever they need a payday <laughs> or whenever they need that little bump, they'll always dig up the ghost of ECW as much as they try and throw dirt on it, you know? You know, it's far more entertaining to me than uh, WWE trying to make money off of ECW is the fact that us talking about ECW is more entertaining than this Asuka and Carmella match. Yeah, right here, right? <laughs> one night stand. I, 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 I a one night stand with either of them. It, well, it, who do you see? I guess who? Do, who? How does how does Carmella survive here? I think that's. I, I don't think there's any question she's going to walk out with this thing. I don't think they're ready to go in the direction of Asuka and the evolute. The women's evolution is over. They're going back more to sex appeal, and they think they have that with Carmella. I mean, the, the investment to bring Ellsworth back to me means keep it on her as well so there's got to be just some classic jim Cornette escape dumb shit 
you know, some gimmick's going to go down that way because it's about the build to Oscar winning it back at SummerSlam, not here at Extreme Rules where no one's going to, uh, you know, give a damn about that. And plus, you're going to have Charlotte Flair coming back in another uh, probably week to 10 days anyway. So uh, there's going to be a big hunt for it. And it's better to have the chicken shit uh, heel running away while everybody's, uh, you know, out on the fox hunt for. Well, do you think there's any chance? Uh, I know this is, you're probably not going to be in favor of it, but the way they're building this, Becky Lynch has got some fire behind her. Could she be the next competitor going into SummerSlam? No, no way. <laughs> She's a good utility hand, and she might get a, a win here or there for the young girls to, you know, cheer about. But on the pecking order, dude, there's no, there's no money there. There's no, like, this is the one we need to get behind. Uh, when it comes to Carmella, it's because of, uh, being able to run away and and not uh, have to face anybody. She can show and prove a little bit, and somebody can carry her through. But uh, now that Ellsworth's back, you don't want to bury both pieces of the puzzle that way, you know? Uh, let, let her chase it and then get the payoff at the big show. I feel like the mo- the money in Becky Lynch is always in the chase anyway. What, I, I, don't, I don't ever see her as a reigning champion. But there's absolutely money in the chase. Let's talk about uh, the WWE Championship. Uh, let's talk about it on the middle of the show because that's pretty much how this is being presented. This should be your main event of Extreme Rules, and I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell it will be. AJ Styles, the defending champion, the longest reigning WWE champion in five years, taking on Alexander Rusev in his first WWE Championship opportunity. At Money in the Bank, AJ Styles retained the WWE Championship by defeating Shinsuke Nakamura in a last man standing match. On the following episode of SmackDown, Rusev won a gauntlet match involving The Miz, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, who hasn't been seen since, uh, and Big E to earn a title opportunity at Extreme Rules. Of course, this past Tuesday, we saw these two in tag action. Styles with Hardy and Rusev with Nakamura. Rusev picking up the win over the former brother Nero. Uh, anybody giving Rusev a chance in this match? Huckleberry, are you giving Rusev any kind of a chance? I think the bigger story here is that this is just good for Rusev. He got himself over. You know, they weren't giving him anything. He went out there and achieved this, you know, not just by himself, but with English. So at least he's getting this opportunity to shine here. I don't see him going over in any shape or form. Uh, but I do want to throw out there and just get Ben's opinion on this thing because I've been pushing this thing, especially over on one wrestling video on Smack Talk where you can catch Big Ray Hernandez and myself each and every Tuesday. I've been putting this over there. I think we're going to get a double turn. I think we're going to get some kind of weird swerve where they're finally going to go with Rusev as that baby that the, the, the fans want to embrace. And I just think it's time for some a shakeup with AJ Styles uh, and let him be, you know, go back to those roots of being a great heel going into SummerSlam. I would put Rusev over here for the title. Um, You know, AJ, it'll shake things up. That's your kind of, oh, my God moment. Big Rusev day, even though he's a heel. He's been selling a lot of merch. People want to chant Rusev day. Let him do it. AJ's not going to be hurt by not having the title. And you've got a new mini feud. You can always mix Shinsuke in as the heel to do that, but you've already got Aiden English you know, along those lines. So maybe somebody that AJ needs a team with to be his equalizer as well. But I would, I would definitely go heels up here instead of AJ being a world beater yet again. I, I would, 
be inclined to agree with you if they had any kind of babyface challengers for a heel Rusev, because I just don't see them turning Rusev babyface at this point. And with Daniel Bryan's contract coming up very, very quickly, with Jeff Hardy kind of beat up, with Randy Orton sitting on the shelf right now, that they have no babyfaces on Monday Night Raw for a dominant heel champion Rusev. Well, you want heels, like I said, you want to be do big payoffs at SummerSlam. It, it, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, you want to leave with babies up. You want to leave the crowd feeling good. So to leave with babies up, it's better to be a heel with a lot of heat. If you beat Rusev here, you just killed his heat. So let him get heat all the way to there. Uh, you know, again, this is simple Al Snow one hundred and one booking, uh, and and but uh, I don't expect the the genius bar backstage to understand that. So um, we'll see. But I, if it was me, I would put it on Rusev, let him get heat all the way there, uh, and and crush people along the way. Even give him a couple easy ones, and then a couple tests where he has to to come through, and not some bullshit win with aid and English help. You know what I mean? Maybe even wrestles well. I would say maybe even wrestles English for the title and they do not a finger poke of doom, but something where it looks fixed. And then somebody comes out and says, you know, let's get a real match. I want to challenge. And then he even goes over on them as well. You know, everything Ben just said makes complete sense. So Rick, I guess my next question to you is, is there more money in what Ben just said or as a marketing guy, is there more money in AJ Styles and this now long title reign that he has that they are taking absolutely no opportunity of marketing upon themselves? AJ Styles is now really he's the longest reigning WWE champion since CM Punk. And we're not talking about it at all. Well, I don't think, you know, that's purposely being pushed under the rug because they don't want us talking about title reigns when the other big title is not anywhere to be seen. That's just the same as there you know, this past that. Monday when, when no one, you know, the name that we cannot mention this past week on Monday Night Raw, they don't even want you thinking about Brock Lesnar. They don't want to do those comparisons there. I, everything's point. been laid out to me. I have, I'm 100% behind. I still just like my idea that twisted. You do a double turn here where Styles retains and then you have a baby Rusev pushing and have that big payoff for a huge Rusev Day chant in Brooklyn at SummerSlam. It's something that could almost rival the, the yes movement from WrestleMania 30. I just want to know where the hell Samoa Joe is. That's really all I want to know. Where the hell is Samoa Joe? Let's talk that about your run in right there to actually fuck over AJ and, and get Rusev over. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's a good AJ, point. AJ can take out Aiden English, be devastated you know, false finish, false finish, false finish. You think AJ's about to do it with the with the big uh, flying uh, forearm gimmick, and that's when Joe comes out and just drills him from behind. AJ comes off the top rope right into a Machka kick, bing, bang, boom, it's over with right there. I like it. I like it. Let's talk about another uh, possibility as your main event, that being the Bludgeon Brothers versus Team Hell No SmackDown Tag Team Championships on the line. Uh, prior to the gauntlet match, Daniel Bryan had a stare down with the tag team champions, the Bludgeon Brothers, Harper and Rowan. Uh, during the match, the Bludgeon Brothers attacked Bryan, allowing The Miz to eliminate Bryan. On the June 26th episode of SmackDown, Kane returned to save Bryan from a post-match assault from the Bludgeon Brothers, reuniting Team Hell 
Hell No. SmackDown General Manager Page then scheduled Team Hell No to face the Bludgeon Brothers for the tag titles at Extreme Rules. Of course, since their return, we've seen Team Hell No defeat the Usos to keep this a two-on-two match. And the previous week on SmackDown, we saw Daniel Bryan bring back Pyro all by himself. That was your your big go-home for Extreme Rules was Daniel Bryan setting off Kane's Pyro. Uh, ben, I see you over there smiling. I, I it, it was such a freaking joke, man. Such a joke. That's real. That's your big selling point for Extreme Rules is Daniel Bryan can set off Pyro. That's it, man. That's all you need to do. I would just walk around doing that all all day backstage, having vignettes of that shit, garbage cans blowing up and shit. Now that he's got the power, um, you know this team hell no thing is so shotgun. Here we had the ultimate comeback story, and guys are taking liberties, kicking this son of a bitch in the head. You know, just absolutely ridiculous. And now they're back to this odd couple pairing of where he's crazy Daniel Bryan for some reason out of nowhere uh, with no catalyst to do that. And Kane's making in sync jokes. So you're going to bury your your monster from hell with uh, some tongue in cheek comedy. Just not not what I want to see here at all. And even the fact of like Daniel Bryan stands face to face with the Bludgeon Brothers, like that statement alone is so goddamn ridiculous. Like that's like and Jargo got in Big John Studd's face and called him a pussy. Like you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, like, it, it's just absolutely ludicrous. Like that they think that is fine because he was over at one time. Like. Give me some real build. I, I am glad that him and Kane are tagging because that means half the bumps and half the shots on his head compared to what he was doing. I just couldn't believe the liberties guys were taking with him. Like that power slam Samoa Joe gave him and shit. It was just unbelievable when he landed on the back of his head. Um, I don't know, man. The, the, this has uh, not got my interest whatsoever, to be honest with you, this team hell no thing. Uh, I would. I, and I like all the guys in this match, but uh, – if that's the most stakes you got, uh, I think you just did it for a cheap pop and maybe some T-shirt sales uh, of a nostalgia act. And again, do kids who are <laughs> 12 years old now remember this from when they were six? I don't think so. I still think this is all leading to the Miz screwing Team Hell No and then the Miz beating Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam before we never see Daniel Bryan in a WWE ring ever again. Uh, well, right. I don't know about that. What we talked about it. Sorry to interject here again, but did you see uh daniel shoot on wwe writers kind of where he's like you know we'd like to build this all the way to wrestlemania but can't trust him to do it and if his contract ends on the first he's being advertised for shows on the fourth i would let him out for one night you show up at all in he does his thing and steve and i just talked about this he comes back on the fourth and that's where you bring in an outside invasion of omega the bucks and and oh, possibly man. you know uh, Marty Skrull, like and you you only you only have to do it on house shows. You don't do it yeah. on TV. You let people like social blow it up media on, would do it. You know what I mean? And then people are going to come to house shows. Holy shit! Bullet Club's at a WWE house show. You you don't have them there for two or three weeks. Then again, they appear again in some form or fashion that way until it really goes down. You know what I mean? It'll pay off maybe at uh, un, uh, unsanctioned at um, Survivor Series or some shit. Huckleberry, what do you think? I, I, I'm absolutely love that, but I can't believe you guys didn't bring up what you know what WWE's hoping is the biggest moment of this entire thing is what interaction we're going to get with Doctor Shelby. Dude, they already blew it. Like I love the yeah, Doctor Shelby's Shelby. gone. Go back. 
they did the they did the callback and I and I popped huge even on Twitter for it. I go I'm going to pop huge if he comes out. Boom, there he was, stole the scene with terrible you know Sasha storyline and Bailey storyline. He stole that whole scene. Then the next week they come back and they got the black lady psychiatrist. I'm just like, you can't even do that much continuity or were people that jealous that he's that good in the scene and stole it that they replaced him out of there. I was just like, you can't even, you tie one shoe and you walk around with the other one untied all day long. Yep. Yep. I got nothing else. I got nothing else. I, 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 I feel like the entire Daniel Bryan return has just been so incredibly botched and 90% of it is just this contract status hanging over all of it with with no real signal from either side of the company as to what direction they seem to want to go they are masters of lowering stakes and getting less investment on their property look at how awesome bobby lashley is now after we did all this bullshit with sammy Zayn's sisters wow. and drag shit look at the badass we had this week that's how you bring him in when he left impact he was with american top team he was a goddamn joke when they brought him in here just to rib him and humble him bobby rude come on dude the stakes that you could have with that guy less than nothing oscar brought her down to a shark cage versus a half-ass worker manager right now instead of the world beater that they had built her to be. Like the, and, and the same thing with Daniel Bryan, the ultimate comeback story of what they want to do, and now we're back to the odd couple thing, and in less than, in record time, eight weeks, nine weeks time, dude, uh, and, and taking chances with a guy who... <laughs> has a, a small baby and family and, and was having blackout seizures from concussions and you're having them work like that. They are masters of effing up their own business out of the gate, dude. But he can oh. set off pyro. Ben, yeah. uh, how long do you see, because you know, you're mentioning all the, you know, the mishaps with WWE, how they you know purposely go out of their way to mistreat some of these talents. Now that we can see, you know, we see what, what the guys in the bullet club are doing. We're seeing people, and you know, wanting to sign long term with Impact, how long till there's a backlash for WWE acting like this, or do they just never give a shit about this? They, they won't, as long as they hold themselves as the the best and the high standard, and they're they're you know, there's no one who's going to touch them. So that's that's the fact of it. But I, I saw Brett uh, Hart's uh, diatribe the other day about how the XFL guys are going to be treated like kings and queens compared to. What the what what wrestlers still are going to be because there's going to be a players union. They're not going to you know all of the NFL concussion stuff that goes on. Not to say they're not doing more with it now, but it's still the same thing. You might look at it as corporate culture or philanthropy uh, and charity stuff, but that's all to make a buck at the end of the day. And they will put a bullet in the back of your head and throw the body out in the dumpster and replace you with somebody out of NXT in a second. And the fact is, it's not like anybody's over. Ratings were a 1.7 this week, the absolute lowest ever, 2.5 million viewers. But stock prices at an all-time high because they know how to play that game that way. I guess they must be selling a lot of 54.95 fucking shark cage sets. I think uh, one of the most important stories of 2018 is going to be the injury to Hiromu Takahashi. And it's going to be because of where it happened and how it happened. And I think you are going to see guys like the Young Bucks, guys like Kenny Omega, guys like Marty Skrull, that are going to realize, why in the hell am I staying in Japan and killing myself in matches like this when I could be in the WWE making more money 
And I think you you start to see a big shift back to WWE, whether the product increases or not. That kind of remains to be seen. Yeah, well, they they reached the, they reached the peak of of what they need to do. So so with Hot Topic and all that, they've got a great bargaining chip. Number one Funko Pop seller, all that kind of shit. Because they're not going to get that chunk of change they get from pro wrestling tees and and all their uh, you know toy gigs from WWE. They will get a percentage and sell a lot through WWE. Don't get me wrong, but they're not going to get the 40 percent deal that they got. They might get sixteen, seventeen percent. So now they can step to the plate and go. We want a million each per year because they need to know uh, to strike at, at the highest point. And I think right now is the spot to do it. And if they don't. They're going to miss out when the time does come by about another 30 or 40% loss. Yep. I feel like it's it's no different than LeBron James going to the Lakers. It's like he went to the retirement home. That's where you see Shinsuke Nakamura is at now. That's where you see AJ Styles is at. He goes out. They rely on their half a dozen signature spots, and they're making that money working a safer style. And I, I, I think it's just a matter of time so that we stop seeing shit like Hiromu from the other night. Yeah, but- Say safer style, bro, but but bumps hurt, man. <laughs> oh yeah, but at least you're not getting thrown bumps. on your head by Dragon Lee. Yeah, well, never would I, because he can never get me up anyway. So there's that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, so I, I worked three three shows in Canada, and I took minimal bumps. You know, because I beat the shit out of people as a as a vicious heel. But the ones I took in just that drive back home, five hours from Toronto, dude. My body's racked for two days. Now, I'm not a young, young buck anymore, but to work that style that those guys work, fly 13 hours, fly back, go work this ROH show, go work this San Francisco show. Do that. Dude, I, I bet when you don't see them outside these elite videos or everything, they're, they're walking like probably 60-year-old men at this time, man. And even if it's WWE softer style instead of strong style dumb shit, uh, dude, you take those bumps for eight minutes and then you go get in that car and you drive 300 miles, you're rocked, bro. And you do that four or five days a week. So there really isn't too much of a trade-off. I mean, there's probably less. I mean, you can get hurt on anything. That's that's you know, the danger of our business. And hopefully guys are working smart instead of uh, taking unnecessary chances to pop uh, the supermarks. But, uh, you know, I don't think there's much of a let-up on there. You only get so many punches on your bump card, bro. And uh, you're going to punch them a lot more when you're at WWE, so you better cash in while you can. I think uh, this is a great segue into our next match because you want to talk about two guys who are going to use up that bump card. They're going to use it up for 30 minutes on Sunday. Of course, I'm talking about Dolph Ziggler and uh, Seth Rollins with uh, Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler's corner. On the June 18th episode of Raw, Dolph Ziggler defeated Seth Rollins to win his sixth Intercontinental Championship after Drew McIntyre distracted Rollins. The following week, Rollins won a rematch for the title by disqualification after McIntyre interfered on Ziggler's behalf. On July 2nd, a 30-minute Ironman match between these two was scheduled for Extreme Rules. Then this Monday, we had Drew McIntyre defeating the Kingslayer. Had he lost, he would have been barred from ringside. Uh, Huckleberry, how do you see this thing going down? I know this is uh, you're going to be the, the highlight of the show for you because I know how much you love false finish Seth Rollins. Uh, paint by number Seth Rollins. Yeah, I'm actually absolutely excited for this one. Here's what I don't get. This is stipulation is so stupid to me. Rollins already goes out there every week and wrestles 27 to 28 minutes. Yeah, literally the match he had with Drew McIntyre this past Monday on Raw was 21 minutes. Okay, so it, he does this reg on a regular basis. So this is going to have to end 1-0, right? 
or zero zero. Because if any, they just start taking useless falls, and we see Rollins do this week in, week out. I mean, what's the point here? Yep. Well, I just, it's just the whole logic behind the gimmick behind this match. Is, it baffles me. Mr. Hamin, how do you feel about this match? I know, you, I know you're a big uh, Dolph Ziggler supporter. I am. He worked 21 minutes, man. He must suck because I can beat guys in seven minutes. There so you go. I three times. 21 minutes. What a waste. Could have got paid the same, worked a third of the time. Uh, yeah, for as far as the underwear boner champion, uh, Seth Rollins, who does his dumbass superplex into a Falcon Zero kickout false finish every time. I loved it this week when he did his ROH house show dive and just got pushed to the side and then uh, side slammed on the on the apron by what a real man does, you know, in, in McIntyre. Uh, it could end 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, Dolph Ziggler's uh, an absolute ring general, in, in my opinion, probably the best psychology-wise, best-selling-wise uh, and, and can make uh, a broomstick look like a world champion. That's what he does. Uh, that being said, uh, they like that Seth Rollins is reignited and on fire. There's not a lot of people behind Dolph McIntyre. looks like a god. He should be in, uh, you know, facing The Undertaker, facing Brock, facing Roman. That's where he should be right now. Um, I say Rollins up uh, two to one maybe. But it would be one nothing or two to one. Uh, now that we know that uh, Drew McIntyre will be in Dolph Ziggler's corner, Huckleberry. You think there's any chance that this is where we get the return of Dean Ambrose in Seth Rollins' corner? I was going to say, we still got Ambrose on that shelf. Wait for him to come back. He's been ready to go. I still think I I kind of like the idea, if they're going to go in that direction, where Ambrose eventually returns and is the one that once again cost Roman Reigns an opportunity at the Universal Championship if, if they can get that match to actually go down. But I think the backfire there is in creative's mind that introduces Dean as a heel, which is he needs is a much needed turn. He needs something new coming back with that character. In their mind it makes him a heel, but if he comes out and screws Roman Reigns, it's just going to cause the fans to to fall more in love with him, to cheer and want to get behind him there. So I don't know if that backfires. Maybe he come maybe it's I, I really want to see Ziggler retain here. I have I much more enjoy seeing him as a champion, watching him and McIntyre together than I do Seth Rollins. So maybe it's maybe Ambrose comes out here and screws Rollins to try to you know get that turn to get us a new character, breathe some new life into him uh, upon coming back to WWE. But man, you're you are going to need an equalizer. But I'd rather see a swerve there where maybe he it looks like he is going to come help but then he is the one that ultimately screws Rollins. Yeah, I feel like there for a while they had Seth Rollins so hot. I even I, I was completely buying in that they were going to do Rollins versus Lesnar at SummerSlam, and now rather than burn it down, it seems like we're in cool it down phase. It seems like we're just trying to get as much rub off of Seth Rollins as we possibly can. It wouldn't surprise me if they just bring Ambrose out here and do another month worth of tag matches, just being Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler versus Ambrose and Rollins and try to get that rub off of Rollins. That's what you're going to get. That's why I said 2-1. You have, uh, you know, Rollins go up early and then uh, cheat cheat uh, with uh, McIntyre to make it 1-1. They go up to do the next cheat spot. In he comes, run down, house of fire on McIntyre. He's in his corner, cheerleading the whole nine. And uh, 
baby's up to one and then you got a six week uh tag program that's that's ex- as simple as they'll make it right there <sighs> it just seems so boring for six weeks of television yeah hey book number it. stuff man 1.7 boys you know what for, for i wouldn't mind though to start this match to see ziggler steal a pinfall to get it going as rollins making his entrance let's just see mcintyre run out from behind and just kick his fucking head off Drag him to the ring and leave him laying there unconscious while they count the three and then, re- then restart the falls. I love it. It could be 3-2 that way instead of 2-1. I, I totally agree with that. He's, he's got to fight from underneath the whole time. And then when you think it's 2-2 and it's about to and then the big cheat spot comes, then you book it how I just said to. Absolutely based on scores, Rick, you're right. Yep, I'm with it. I'm with it. Let's talk about the United States Championship. Jeff Hardy, the champion, taking on Shinsuke Nakamura on the July 3rd episode of SmackDown. Uh, we were supposed to get a feature match between United States champion Jeff Hardy and Shinsuke Nakamura, but all creative plans for this feud were derailed when Nakamura was bit by a fucking dog at the San Diego airport, resulting in an incredibly lackluster build for this match. That's pretty much where we're at. I'm going with Nakamura over just because I know how beat up Jeff Hardy is. I mean, this past Tuesday on SmackDown, Jeff Hardy was moving around like Matt Hardy. Uh, Ben Hameen, what do you think? If we're going to get any mileage out of Nakamura, he's got to go over here, right? Yeah, he just came off that big age feud, and I was shocked that they even just put that match out on SmackDown, even though it turned into a tag match to do business. Like, you just had Ball Punch Fest 2018 for two months, and now you're going to just do that shit. Uh, but I think it's definitely got to go on Shinsuke. He's a high, not that Jeff Hardy's not a higher property, but Jeff Hardy's Jeff Hardy. Uh, he's going to be over no matter what. Shinsuke uh, be a good, again, heels need heat. Going into SummerSlam, he needs to have that belt and have the have the heat. If you beat him here, he's just been beaten. He's going to be looking for a new opponent, and it's not because it won't be Jeff going into that feud with him if he if he beats him there. Because why does he need to beat him again? Why why would you get another title shot along those lines? So um, if it was really extreme rules and you know Jeff Hardy's too babyface, I would actually have a Rottweiler under the ring and uh, unleash it on him. Uh, but uh, you know that's just how I, I'm, I'm dirty like that. Perhaps we get some interference from Roman Reigns and uh, the big dog takes out Shinsuke Nakamura again. <laughs> uh, Huckleberry, what do you think? Uh, Jeff Hardy versus Shinsuke Nakamura. You, but you look at this thing, you could go out from a number of directions. But Nakamura, you guys, right, though, we've seen him, you know, he, last year about this time, he was chasing the WWE Championship when Ginger Mahal had it, and he fell short there. He most recently has fallen short time after time after time in his pursuit of AJ Styles in the WWE Championship. You know, if he fails here to chase, you know, to capture the U.S. Championship, how much use do we really have with him going forward? And it's almost, if you are going to have that partnership with, with Noah in Japan, maybe he's just best served. Send him over there, you know, to just to get that pop and continue to work a sports entertainment style. I think you got to go with him here. I'm actually going to be rooting for Hardy simply because I want to see Hardy move into a program with Almas. That's more entertaining for me personally. I think that's going to get more of a pop from the audience, and it's really going to help bring a, a true young star into a much-needed spotlight with with Almas in a, a program with Hardy. Speaking of uh, Andrade Cien Almas, his match with uh, Sin Cara on SmackDown was probably the match of the night. However, yeah. however, we've been instructed that Sin Cara is a fucking loser for the last five years, and here's Cien going 50-50 with the guy. 
Well, it looked like, an, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's just bad commentary all the way around. But, uh, you know, that that did looked like, uh, you know, not a guy who's been a loser by all means, man. He, he definitely stepped his game up and wasn't doing the comedy lucha stuff or I got to jump off this uh, trampoline. Like, it felt like a blood feud, but a blood feud with no build except for just on that show. Imagine if they had actually invested some time into that instead of the goddamn itsy-bitsy spider stupidity at fucking 10-10 at night and, and actually had shown something for the last two or three weeks and 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 we had some stakes going into this. That match would have meant even more, and it, it meant a lot. It definitely stole the show, in my opinion. And they got their shit in, but it was all on time and nothing too egregious. Uh, some stuff I definitely can't or wouldn't do, but uh, th- this is something I wanted to see more of. And for them just to bury that guy, that they're just not doing their jobs. He's more worried. Dumbass is more worried about his new shut up Saxton T-shirt than anything. Let's talk about the itsy bitsy spider, Finn Balor. He's going to be taking on uh, constipated constable, constant the constipated constable Baron Corbin. Uh, Here's the creative for this: Uh, these two guys don't like one another, and for some reason they felt to uh, put this match on an already overbooked card uh, just so they could have another cooldown match. That's pretty much where we're at. Huckleberry, I assume that uh, constipated Corbin uh, is actually going to take the loss here. And I'm saying that because in his position of authority, at least he can get his heat back. Finn Balor needs a fucking singles win. Well, I was going to say, what's the number you always throw it as? Three. three. Only three wins. This he is year at three singles Balor. match wins in 2018. I, I think the most interesting that we, I guess, maybe generate some heat between these two in this build was via Twitter when we saw that that Corbin actually broke Finn Balor's ass. That's been the most entertaining aspect of this thing. Can't hate on that, man. Uh, nothing like a good ass breaking. Um, but uh, <laughs> absolutely, like back to my point of can you ruin a guy anymore? Like you wanted to do the out of the closet gay thing, bring in Glad, do all the you know social justice stuff with him. They did it at 20%. It, you know, it, it, where he's like, I like that butt. And then now we're back to making Billy and Chuck level, you know, fucking pops to make Vince. <laughs> yeah, he likes butts. Uh, but like, how much money did they leave on the table with Demon Finn Balor? Balor Club, the knockoff of Bullet Club, didn't get over worth a shit. Turn around, do the let's bring out every gender and, and every age demographic at WrestleMania to jump up and down behind them with Baylor club for everyone, rainbow flag coalition. Let's not stick to that either, you know? And, and then even your, uh, heel MMA shoot fighter, you're bringing her out. Who's known, uh, out of the closet lesbian as, uh, with rainbow colors on the, the, how heel is that? So taking his gimmick of what it should be from the jump anyway, so, you know, I, I agree that uh, constipated Corbin can take a loss here. It's not going to hurt him at all. He could probably take a Delcalax too and uh, probably help him out. But, uh, you know, the, he does need a win, but there's no stakes in, in Finn Balor right now. The, what was his promo on Raw? You've got abs. I've got abs. We're victorious. Get the fuck out of here. Yep, that's pretty much where I'm at. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, let's talk about... Um well, I guess we've got two matches left, and I guess they're kind of co-main events. Uh, I guess you could headline with either one of these matches, too. Let's start with the steel cage match between Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens, uh, which I think this entire feud has been a heaping pile of whatever the blue 
shit is that was covering Kevin Owens the other day. Uh, of course, Huckleberry and I, we're, we, we don't see eye to eye on this one. I, of course, just do not, for the life of me, understand what Kevin Owens has done to Braun Strowman to warrant all of this punishment. But my God, Kurt Angle, my God, can we please at least put Braun's brief, briefcase on the line in a steel cage match? Maybe, maybe Stephanie McMahon shows up on the pre-show and says, you know what, Kevin, for all the shit that you have literally been through in the past month, we're going to put Braun's briefcase on the line. And if you somehow escape this cage, you now have the money in the bank briefcase. Huckleberry, can you make my dreams come true? Hey, I'm always, I'm always one for using the pre-shows to, to up the ante a little bit to, to get us invested there at that last second. I'm with you. So disappointed we didn't get that stipulation here in this match. But, you know, again, you, you're trying to defend Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is just a fucking dickhead. All he wanted That's to do he... was be friends with Braun Strowman. <laughs> how, how dare you try and be my friend? No, no, no. But he's always got his own agenda. He's two-faced. Braun's seeing through that. So he's just kicking his ass. He's just one of those dickheads that no one likes. Nope. Nope, I'm well, telling you. He's good at his I'm job that way. He's good at it. I mean, that's, he's getting that over. For him to have no stakes going into this, aside from I'm in a cage match because I ran away from getting my car flipped on top of me. <laughs> like, like, there's no, you know, it's not like he did anything to really shoot piss Braun off. Braun's the baby face doing all heel moves on the heel, and the heel has to run, and now he can't get away anymore. But there's no payoff for him except for possibly getting killed or out of the cage from getting killed. Thank you very much. Well, in, in your logic here, I mean, if you're Kevin Owens, why even show up for this show? I sure <laughs> as fuck wouldn't. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I'd go and visit Sami Zayn in the hospital. At least Sami Zayn wants to be friends with Kevin Owens. I just, I don't understand any of the logic in any of this build whatsoever. And it's been like, normally we see feuds that are booked 50, 50 in the WWE. This feud very much like the Oscar and Carmella feud. This isn't 50, 50. This has been 100% Strowman and 0% Kevin Owens. Somehow Kevin Owens has to get one up on Strowman here. And I don't think it's going to happen in a steel cage match. Yeah, I've, I've wondered. I, I'm expecting Owens to steal one here. I just wonder about how they're going to go go about achieving that, because you know, I, I've seen a lot of people, you know, head on over to Facebook, the Hami Media Discussion Group. I see quite a few people that are wanting to see, you know, Owens go through the cage. But we just saw that back at the Greatest Royal Rumble. It, it's too early to recycle that. Nobody remembers that, Rick. I, I wouldn't put it past them, but. It's going to be interesting to see how Owens is able to escape with this thing. That, that's what I'm guessing. But, hey, this is WWE. This might just end up being like a total squash match. Uh, but, maybe the, maybe they do something here where the entire ring implodes. Know, Kevin Owens dangerous. goes through the match or something. It'd be dangerous with a cage. But, uh, yeah, the, if I was on ring crew, I'd be so pissed off i had to set up the cage and and then it was a squash uh but you're gonna see you know the swimming spot where he's almost out the door pulled back big eyes you're gonna see you know uh gorilla press oh my god look how strong is he and throw him into the side of the cage owens fall like a sack of shit owens almost get to the top elbow off braun will take the big bump all the way down owens almost out but turns and hits him with the frog splash i don't know if he'll be off the top of the cage or not uh Oh my God, moment wise, maybe just off the top rope. 
goes for it again, but Braun will cut him off. And maybe that's where you see the money in the bank shot on Braun. And he actually either escapes or goes over with pinfall right there. It's just too much. On this show, we have steel cage matches. We have Iron Man matches. We have table matches. We have extreme it's rules extreme. matches. <laughs> oh, my God. It's extreme. It's going to be an exhausting show to watch even if it's done well it will be an exhausting show to watch let's uh let's talk about more than likely your main event and my god i hope it is the main event because that means i don't have to watch it i can just shut the show off and and go to work early and of course i'm talking about bobby lashley versus roman reigns i am checked out on anything Roman Reigns has to do at this point, but I, and I mean maybe I'm the only one that felt this way. But as I'm watching like 30 guys try to hold back Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns Monday night on Raw, all I'm thinking is everybody else is a pussy. If, if it takes 30 guys to hold the two of you apart, why do I even care about the rest of the freaking card? You've got Finn Balor and Baron Corbin out there trying to hold these two behemoths apart, and they can't do it for 20 fucking minutes. And yet they have a match on here. Why do I want to watch that match when they're obviously big enough pussies? They can't even hold two guys apart with 28 other freaking guys. Just buried the whole goddamn roster. It did go on too long, and especially the setup of uh, let's all get on this one side so he can get his shit in and dive on all of us and knock us down like bowling pins. And everybody died. Yeah, we talked about this on Russo and actually today on Friday Locker Room that we recorded. Uh, th this should have been the thread that weaves through the, throughout the show. You do it, uh, you know, Wu-Tang Jizzer would say, uh, make it a half short and twice strong. So we should have shortened that segment in half, been way more hot. They lay people out. Cops come arrest them take them out, put them in the paddy wagon, or they're even fighting them backstage before that. Cops arrest them, put them in the paddy wagon, paddy wagon's rocking, take them away. Boom, they're even in the jail cell, like trying to fight each other. Uh, they they get out at the last minute of Raw, they come back in the arena and are fighting. It, this war isn't ending. Instead, we got one segment. Oh, it's over with. They're cool now. We'll see at the pay-per-view. You know, and, and supposedly uh, this was the segment that Paul Heyman wrote. And I wouldn't doubt if he politicked for that to be the thread that goes through. And someone's like, no, buddy, we've got to do Etsy Betsy Spider. That's going to be a killer at 1010. Uh, you know, so it's just like uh, best, uh, best laid plans of mice and men often go awry, right? So, you know, we're not going to get uh, a full uh, value out of anything we're doing here. So why even bother doing it? Lashley looks incredible. Rain's still going to get booed by the crowd, especially where we Pittsburgh. Yep. Fucking forget about it. It's going to be 100 Lashley, zero Roman. And I, and I bet uh, Lashley does the honors and lays down for him. Huckleberry, what do you think? You got Roman or you got Lashley? I actually, I'm going with Roman as well here. What I'm going to be interested in this match is like you guys were saying is how is the, the creative side, the agent, how are they going to put this thing together? How's it going to be presented? I mean, this is going to obviously be, this is going to be completely pro Bobby Lashley, but how, what style of match is he going to work? Are we going to see him try to, you know, throw in some shades of some heelish tactics, you know, try to try to get more sympathy on Roman, or are we going to get the guy that we've been waiting for that we're finally getting that glimpse of, you know, just the badass that he truly is uh, the guy that, that we want to see step up to take on someone. Like like a Brock Lesnar, 
that's going to be the interesting part. I think they're going to try to, uh, I hate using the term bury, but they're going to try to downplay Bobby Lashley. This is going to be a moment to put Roman Reigns over to get him geared right back up, getting back into that universal title picture. That's the ultimate payoff. It's going to be very disappointing. If this actually ends the show, if it ends the show in that fashion, they might have a damn near ride on their hands there. If there's actually anyone still left in the arena, uh, that we learned last time that they went with Roman closing without really even a stipulation or anything on the line in the match. They're going to have their hands full if they go that route. But hey, let's let's just cross our fingers and maybe hope that Lashley goes over and we get an awesome promo after after the match where he calls out Brock for running to UFC and avoiding him in WWE. That'd be that would be awesome. I think the match they should do is. Brock versus Lashley, not Suplex City per se. I mean, not Brock versus Lashley. They, Lashley and Reigns should do Brock versus Reigns match and switch the finish on it. You know what I mean? Like, don't have him do Suplex City. Have him be Bobby and get his shit in. The story is spear versus spear, right? So each guy's got to take a nasty spear, kick out. Someone's got to move on one. Someone's got to take the post nasty. Someone's got to move on another one, takes out the camera guy on the outside with the fucking spear where he's right behind him. Oh, my God. And he gets back on him again. Spear on the on the ramp, spear up on top, spear through the fucking off the announcer's desks. You know what I mean? All that kick out kick out and then when it comes down to it the one final thing superman punch turn into it one final spear that's it lashley lays down i like what you say with lashley up super strong but and calling out brock i would love that but man i don't see it unless paulie's got creative control and he's gonna do it that that would be a paulie thing to do Here's what I would do. Here's like, what just I think would. how great that would be, though. If, if you got Lashley grabbing that mic after that match, and he's calling out, Brock, your, your pussy ass went to the octagon to call them out. I've been here waiting on you. Yeah. Where yep. you at? You come, meet, you come meet me at SummerSlam, bitch. Yep. Here's what I would do. I would pay Brock Lesnar whatever amount of money that he wants. I would have... Lashley and Roman beat the ever-loving piss out of each other for about 20 minutes, and while they're both laying in the middle of the ring selling their ass off, you would hear... (laughs) And out would walk the Beast Incarnate and fuck them both up. That's what I would do. And then you're going to triple threat at SummerSlam? Yep. I'm down with that. Both good ideas. That's what I would do. That's what I would do. Well, Ben Hameen, thank you very much for joining us for the Extreme Rules preview. Why don't you uh, plug, promote, put over all your stuff, and I'll be back in about 20 minutes when you're done. Uh, no, y'all, uh, guys, you guys know where it is, Pro Wrestling Tees Wise, Hacker Hameen on Instagram, at Bin underscore Hameen on Twitter. Hameen Media Discussion Group, we got the Bin Fidel giveaway. I got these gauntlets from my guy, at Steve the Shoe Man on Instagram. We're doing contests every week, giving away these pro gauntlets uh, all week uh, you know, all of the summer. So I want you guys to hop over there and participate in that. But uh, I don't get to say it enough uh, to you guys. I usually put it over in a tweet, but I just want to say thank you to, to both 
both of you uh, morons for for all the work that you do. Uh, you know that that Monday locker room kicking the week off, and all my producers here at HackerHameen.Podbean.com uh, just really carved out a great niche for yourselves. Uh, everything you cover that uh, slips through the cracks that I can't you know force myself to watch with everything else from ROH and, and New Japan. You guys have just really been kicking ass with all that. So I want to uh, thank you both for all your hard work, promotions wise, and everything you've done. You've really been an asset to to this whole brand and uh, i know how hard you both work and i and so do all of our listeners and fans out there so y'all all infidels i have a five dollar face slap for each of you well thanks for joining us man I, I i know how busy you are producing all the content that you are the conspiracy horseman of course like you said you were we were talking before we went on air how much you've been working here Thanks for even taking, you know, an hour and 15 minutes out of your, your, your incredibly busy week just to sit on here with infidels like Huckleberry and myself. Just please don't lock me in whatever storage closet you had Rick in last week because that, that was really scary. You know, it's a, a funny story about the face laps. Last week I was down in Cincinnati uh, for the holiday bin and some people were asking about, you know, what we do here on the platform uh, between all the shows. And I was telling them about the Hami Media Group. And it actually got to a point where I actually uh, uh, bounced bounced your Facebook page onto one of the main televisions and was going through and finding the videos of the face slaps and showing those to everyone in the bar, man. People were popping left and right. They couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, I usually have been posting them on Instagram lately. So the latest three from all bin are on there. So go to at Hacker Hameen and bring $5 coming out to UPW in Rochester this weekend. I'll gladly straighten you out real quick. I'll be up at Crossfire in Canada and St. Catharines on the 22nd tagging with Congo Kong. And I know Congo loves it when I slap these morons across the face. So uh, I always want to make him, keep him happy because you don't want him on your bad side. And then the 28th, uh, I'm in Buffalo in the never-ending war versus is Dick Justice at Buffalo Championship Wrestling. So, Hacker Hameen, coast to coast, you guys will see me uh, all over, or you won't see it coming, infidels. YOLO! <laughs> all right, so let's throw it over to the break. We're going we're gonna to throw it over to a musical break. I'm going to go smoke a cigarette. We will be right back with 8-Track Brown, and we are going to preview the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax Tournament. We will be right back. Right back. Okay, shake that ass, hope you don't wanna blow your chance. I don't wanna kiss or hug. I ain't tryna hold your hand. People staring at me, looking puzzled. They don't know this dance. I'm just getting wavy, meditating in the lotus stance. <laughs> I don't need to make more enemies, but it keeps on happening. What am I to do with all this energy? They say I'm sick as fuck. The haters trying to find a remedy. They love to hate a nigga. Guess they think the haters killing me. I'm kamikaze, the flyest, and I don't fear wreck. They coming up out of the woodwork. Maybe I'm about to clear check One billion emails, I'm a slacker so I don't near check Somebody told me they'll sit through anybody to hear tech You know what, maybe you right But I might go psycho tonight I'm an animal and I bite And my nine to five is alright We independent, it feels like the shit is major I'm ready for all the hatred they bout to spit at a stranger Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day Fuck whatever they say, sucker hate will let them hate Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day Fuck whatever 
let him hate. Struggling for a better day with the money, we some gold. Kidders, middle of the map, middle of the jungle, we some gold. Real as y'all niggas all washed up, warming up that bench and getting no. Skrilla, I'm ready on the mound, feels like I'm about to put your nose. Hit I wrote this back in November, was grinding to get my own dinner. Focusing on my earth, fire and air to keep my soul centered. Now my pen and bone benders under the study, get no mentor. Feel the fire from my own embers, keeping me out of the cold winter. Bitches coming for the gold, member, chopping them up, here we go. Timber, never taking through the midi, got harness the energy, rap with no filter. My aura glow, and I got that go, but I want that dough. Next for R and R, all I want is T and A and plus some mo. Check from a profession to progress. I'ma live knee deep in the process. You know, Seth's got that cold text, and them hot bars become correct. I don't throw sets, I grow press. Trying to live my life with no stress. My mind clear, and my hands dirty. I grind daily, I'm focused. Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day. Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day. Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day. Fuck whatever they say, sucker hate will let them hate. Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day. Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day. Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day. Fuck whatever they say, sucker hate will let them hate. I got my chips up, tucked away, cutting cake, stacking bread. If it wasn't my mental state, the hustle made it happen then. Motor mouse chattering. I don't hear what word they said. If they hating, let them hate. Call that hate encouragement. They don't put food on my plate. They don't pay for nourishment. So I can't worry about what they say. I wonder why they worry then. About how I've been making moves. Where I'm about to take it to. They ain't putting no faith in me. That's why I put my faith in truth. Stay the truth. Shoot them straight. Dropping bags. Losing weight. Lining up on my chakras so that my body rejuvenate. Allow me to elucidate. Energy flow illuminate all of that s -s surrounding me that's how we, we communicate it's true hate's a human trait scream at me and my mood will change to believe this illusions making my dream and shift to a lucid state i meditate leaning back beating me so i beat them back see the future i see the past me the truth and my people clash hustle and meditate headed for some better day hustle and meditate headed for some better day hustle and meditate headed for some better day fuck whatever they say sucker hate will let them hate Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day. Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day. Hustle and meditate, headed for some better day. Fuck whatever they say, sucker hate will let them hate. Hey, what's up? This is the best, Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to The Locker Room with Jargo and RBV. Don't miss out. So that was Seth's crew with their, uh, their song, Meditate. Like those guys a lot. Like those guys a lot. Huckleberry, we had a lot of fun with uh, the Ayatollah himself, Mr. Ben Hameen, talking some extreme rules. One of my least favorite pay-per-views of the year. But now, now we get to talk about my favorite thing throughout the year. It is time for the G1 Climax, my favorite tournament of the year. Huckleberry. Hold on, I'm here. Uh -oh. I, 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 had, I had to refocus. I had to refocus. I, I knew we were on with Ben just a minute ago. I was like, this ain't motherfucking Ben here. We've got someone new with us. 
No, no, no. We got we got somebody new. We got somebody new. We got, I had to bring in my G one. My G one experts. There, my G one experts. We go from the hacker himself, the Ayatollah Ben Hamin, to this freaking guy sitting over here, probably rolling a blunt. It's probably yes, what he's doing. He's sitting there that's rolling exactly a blunt. What I'm doing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't do this. Ladies and gentlemen, from the, from the PW Hustle, from the Hustle, Mr. 8-Track Brown. I'm going to see if I can get myself into the 8-Track core today. Here we go. Uh, all right, all right. We'll, we'll see what happens at the end of this if you get into the 8-Track Corps. Of course, we still have a, we have to have an 8-Track Corps meeting and decide. Uh, yes, this is 8-Track Brown. 8-Track Brown. 8-Track Brown. Got it straight. World-class blunt roller. I can roll a blunt in five seconds with my eyes closed that's right ready for the g1 hype for the g1 excited for the g1 because it's the g1 now what we got we got jargo taking off I, anyways we got we got so much we got so much personality exploding on the show this week man What's, are you okay over there, Jargo? You know what it is, it's, man. It's it is it is hot in the locker room studios today. I don't know about where you all is, but uh, right now in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, with the heat index, it's 106. So it is warm. Wow. It is warm up in here. I was just killing the air Yo, conditioner. Can you do me a favor? Keep keep that heat to yourself, please. Do not send it here to the Bronx. Man, it, it's that damn humidity, man. It's that damn sticky yeah. ass heat. Oh, it's just brutal. Just brutal. The hood, the hood and heat don't mix. Somebody's liable to get shot. So uh, just keep that heat right over there. Thank you very much. The hood and the heat don't mix. That might be the title of this episode. The hood and the, the heat don't mix. The hotter it is, the more, more people stand outside my damn window. <laughs> So let's uh, let's take a look. Number one, we're going to start off. We're going to take a look at both blocks and kind of establish who we think are the contenders here, who we think is going to come out of this thing, who we're going to get in the finals, and then we're going to take a look at this weekend shows, Saturday show, Sunday show, Monday show, the shows that Huckleberry and I will be taking a look at this Monday over in the locker room at haggerhameen.podbean.com. We'll have th- those reviews as well as the G1 get ready for another marathon link episode of the locker room this monday so let's uh let's take a look at the a block uh a block i think of of the two blocks this is probably the weaker of the two what what, would you agree with that huckleberry i think you know hands down looking at this thing i had to go back and like look at you know some recent years to see if i'm if we've had you know a g1 this lopsided yeah i mean this a block i mean you're you're talking I mean, it's it's not even anywhere near the class that we've got of, this, of the talent lining up in this B block, but but still, nonetheless, you know, there's some there's some potential great matchups there, and some and maybe because it's not so so stacked over in the A block, it's going to be a perfect opportunity for some great talents to really step out and shine here. Yeah, I think we're going to see a couple of uh, talents really emerge through this G1. Uh, eight track Brown. Is there anybody inside of the A block? I mean, obviously we we we've got some big names still, even though we're saying the A block is down compared to B. I mean, in, inside the A block, we've got Big Mike Elgin, we've got Evil, we've got Bad Luck Fale, Togi Makabe, Kazuchika Okada, Hangman Page, Minoru Suzuki, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Jay White. And then the Bon Jovi of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Yoshihashi. I'm guessing Yoshihashi's going to get well, about two points. Let's just go ahead and toss him out right quick and in a hurry. 
Well, the A block, I would say, is the block of killers. They got killers in the A block. They got, uh, Bad Luck Fale, Elgin, uh, Maccabi. These are killers. Uh, Hangman Page has really stepped up his game to the point where I can even say that dude, he can turn on that killer mode. So when you look at A block versus B block, uh, B block you have A block with a, with a bunch of killers, and you got B block with a bunch of what I would say uh, flamboyance. If, if, if that fits with, with two killers, that does and two fit. of those killers is Goto and, and Ishii. Those are the only killers they got. Now, I don't want nobody to get upset with Tamatanga. Tamatanga is not a killer. Tamatanga is a damn soldier. He's a thug, but he's not a killer. Goto and Ishii are the only two killers in this thing. But this whole B block, as you can see, is more is more of a flamboyant uh True showmanship type of B block. Juice Robinson, uh, Toro Yano with his antics. Of course, Kenny Omega, the showman of showmans. Kota Obushi, Zack Sabre Jr., the guy who will, will show you how, yeah, technical wrestling is not as boring as you want to think that it is. You have Sonata, somebody who a lot of people think is a future ace, flamboyant, a showman, uh, 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 a good understudy for Okada, if you will. And, of course, you got Naido, Los Ingobernables, and my man, Tamatanga, as I said, the G, the thug, the soldier. So there's a lot of, a lot of, of, of pizzazz in, in Block B, whereas Block A, it has, a, it has the killers and it has the, 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 the excellence, uh, the excellence being Okada and Tanahashi. Hey, Track, speaking of Okada, I haven't got to, to talk with you since the G1 special. That was really our first good look at Okada without – Without that world championship, I know Jargo was expecting, you know, like a heartbroken Okada, man. He came out. He was on fire looking great, man. What do you think? And what's what do you expect from him in this tournament? Well, when he came out with those balloons, it was obvious that he went to Chuck E. Cheese before he um started this uh, started that show. And I think it's cool. I think he's like, you know what? I lost the title. Uh, my mind is not right right now. So I'm. I'm just gonna tie a bunch of balloons to my to my um to my tights and stuff like that. I think from my perspective, we've seen this this happy type of Okada, but that's a cover-up. Once this tournament starts, we ain't gonna see that no more. We're gonna see a, a more of a focused Okada. You know, if you notice, he's been slapping uh 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 fans' hands. We ain't gonna see that. I don't think we're gonna see that. Um he's just gonna go back to being focused the way the the way things need to be so he can get to the finals and possibly win uh he's not my pick but of course he is my pick to go far uh we're definitely going to see a classic match with um him and tanahashi definitely going to happen so oh and also he's probably going to get a little bit of brain damage if he faces we don't we don't when he faces uh suzuki so okada has his has his work cut out for him as everybody else on this panel on the block i should say of course, one of the matches that I am most looking forward to is actually going down the first night. Um, I, I thought this would be the main event, but according to NJPW uh, 1972, it looks like Bad Luck Fale versus Hangman Page is going to main event night one. I absolutely expected that it was going to be Switchblade Jay White taking on Kazuchika Okada. That's going to be night one. This, of course, uh, a battle of chaos. I, I, I kind of thought that we were going to get a chaos civil war here. Now, of course, with everything going on inside of Bullet Club, I think that seems far less likely. Huckleberry, wh what do you think is going to happen when Jay White and Kazuchika Okada clash on night one? 
Well, I was going to say, you know, to see that this is going to be night one to start this thing off. I mean, this this gets you going. This this gets you hyped up, ready for the G1. There has been tension growing here. Jay White, yes, a part of chaos, but you don't really. He doesn't really give that vibe that he wants to be a part of that group. You know, he's he's been, he said before. You know, when Okada had the championship, he was coming for it. He's he's got his eye on everyone, every top name inside the promotion. Ali, this could be interesting. It's going to set a great tone. I actually think I, I think White might steal one here to set a you know a little bit of a different tone and vibe going through the rest of this tournament. I like everything that Track was saying that we're going to see Okada kind of refocus here for the G1, but I think that might actually be the story of Okada going through the G1. It wouldn't surprise me if he loses his first couple of matches and you see him kind of refocus in the last uh, three quarters of the tournament. I'm kind of with Huckleberry here. I think Jay White's going to go over Okada night one. Hey, Track, what do you think? I think your mute's on, buddy. All right. Uh, well, look at the history of night one. Has there hasn't there always been a, a shock, uh, a, a win like out of nowhere? So for uh, Jay Jay, Le- Jay Lethal for Jay White. <laughs> Shout out to Jay Lethal. I stand with Jay Lethal. Hashtag I stand with Jay Lethal. I'm anyway, Jay Lethal um, too. Jay, <laughs> Man, Jay White. Hey, on the, you know the Jay Lethal front. That bitch is getting no love. I don't see anyone coming to her defense in this in nope. this Jay Lethal well, case. Well, listen, if you go to my Twitter at Tony Flags, I was in battle with somebody for a while. It started out pretty rough, but it ended pretty civil to the point where now we're following each other. At what? At Tony Flags? I don't even know if I have this at account. Tony How many goddamn Flags. Twitter accounts do you got, 8-Track Brown? I, I have two. I'm working on five, but I have two. <laughs> uh, Tony Flags is the backup one because Taylor Hendricks blocked me from uh, my Farrow Fancy. Uh, so I was like, okay. I can't Fine. imagine block anybody here, blocking eight track Brown. My wife, my well, wife. I, 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 quick, quick. How, how how could anyone not just not just fall in love with that face over there? Just love the personality. <laughs> Come on. My my wife I added eight track Brown on like Facebook. That. My wife added eight track Brown on Facebook, and I was like, man, you're gonna see some fucked up shit. Don't don't pay any yeah, attention I, to what's I, coming I, across eight track Brown's newsfeed. Yo, when I when I, every time I add somebody's girlfriend, I'm like, you know something. I hope they realize what they're in store for. <laughs> I warned uh, her. <laughs> quick, quick side note on a, on the Hacker Hameen group page, I put my the a response that I had to Taylor up up on the, on the, on the thread, and it was when she put out those freaking notes or those 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 text messages that she said was proof, and all it was was, "Hey, this is Jay. I need to talk to you. Let me know when it's important." Uh, or when you have the time or whatever. And she goes, we all know what he said. And I ignored those texts. And I'm like, well, if you ignore those texts, then you don't know what he said. And since we're not, not psychic, we don't know what he said either. But I can. Uh-oh. A-track froze. Lisa. Number <laughs> number three. I, I said a whole bunch of shit. And it was like, uh, Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. And Wu-Tang forever. Ever. That that was the best thing I could think of. Maybe that he said to her, since he she she's assuming that we all know. So apparently we're all psychic, and just, just based off that, you know, we can just assume that she's telling the truth. But anyway, back to the fact of the matter, to the real important shit. I went off on a tangent like I always do. My ADHD, this blunt hasn't really hit me yet. But um, you're gonna see a surprise win out of JY, I, I believe, and it's gonna be a shock. And, and the story is gonna be that you know. Uh, 
uh, Okada is 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 focused and whatnot, and it also plays into the fact that Jay, like 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 uh, Drago said, is a- almost reluctant that he's a, a chaos member because his whole th- deal is with with Okada is kind of like, yeah, you want me on your team because you want to keep your enemies close because I'm that good. And you know I'm better than you. So that's going to come into play. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, you know, if you would have had the title, that goes to show you I could beat you. I could beat you for the title or yada, yada, yada. Um, it, it doesn't surprise me that it's not the main event because the Civil War with Bullet Club is 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 the one that is has the most focus right now. We're not ready for a chaos Civil War yet, but it's going to happen. Let's let's take a look at the uh, big Bullet Club Civil War. Of course, night one, we're going to get to see the OG of OGs, Bad Luck Fale, who's lost about a half of Bad Luck Fale. Fale is looking freaking great if you haven't seen him in a while. He's lost a ton of weight. Uh, Bad Luck Fale taking on Hangman Page. Of course, this is going to be Firing Squad versus uh, being the elite cast inside of the battle for Bullet Club. Huckleberry, do you think that Hangman has any snowballs chance in hell of beating Bad Luck Fale on night one? You know, looking overall here for Paige, I'm expecting this to be one of those where he finishes, you know, in the in the middle of the standings. But it's one of those going to be one of those tournaments for him. When we look back on it, it's going to be one of those true breakout moments for him. Man, with so much going on here, I think it's just it's almost more important for the OGs. To establish that first big win out of the gate over you know someone who's come in later into the game into the bullet club. I think from that from that perspective, I'm going with Ballet here. The OGs are gonna make a very big statement here in this in this first real encounter between these two in a on a main event stage. They always keep bad luck Fale very, very strong throughout the G1 tournament. Uh, 8-Track Brown, where, where, where do you stand? Are you, are you down with the firing squad or are you down with the golden elite? Where do your allegiances lie? i got to be honest with you. Um, not that there's anything wrong with this. I can't dig on dudes kissing. I just can't. I, 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 I'm from the hood. I'm an I'm a alpha hood male. You know, toxic masculinity. Shout outs to CEO Hayes, by the way. But uh, uh you know, um, I gotta go with the with the firing squad. You know, the the the, the what is it? With the firing squad? That's what they call themselves now, right? Yep, yep. The firing squad. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta go with them. Don't get me wrong. Kenny Omega is still my dude, but as a whole, as a crew, if I'm in prison, I'm rolling with the firing squad. I, I'm not rolling with the golden bitches. I can't do it. I can't. I just can't. I love them, but hey. If I have to make a distinction of why I'm going to choose which crew, it all comes down to the fact that the golden bitches is going around kissing each other. And I don't want to engage in that. That's just not me. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Just not me. <laughs> I sent the, both of you the, the uh, video that the Gorillas of Destiny have uploaded to their YouTube exactly. about, about how things went down in San Francisco. Huckleberry number one. It seems as though... Bad Luck Fale is actually the man who issued the order. Hashtag firing squad. Yeah, I kind of like he's he's got that pit boss feel about him, man. He's the he's underboss. The one he's calling the shots. Yeah, he's he's the one calling yeah, exactly. the shots. Exactly. Well, get the name. He's underboss. He was eventually going to take over. As Tama Tonga explained in a interview to Sports Illustrated, there is no leader in Bullet Club. However, 
there is a respect factor inside of Bullet Club, and Bad Luck Fale is now the senior member of Bullet Club. And so they look to him to issue the order. And sure enough, Bad Luck Fale says, fuck him. Fuck him. He is such a badass as the underboss character. I love Fale in a position of power. I really hope that we keep Bad Luck Fale strong throughout this A block, but I'm afraid that he's only going to finish about fourth. Huckleberry number it two, seems, 8-Track Brown, what do you think? Where do you see Fale falling at the end of this thing? It seems they they, they make Fale stronger every year. Um, it's it's possible that he'll stay in pretty much the same position he's been in, but it's also possible, listen, uh, you know, you talk about the weight loss and, and the shape that this guy got himself in. Uh, I think that speaks to his character, you know, the new the new role that he's taken as as now, not just the underboss, but the boss. They could say they could say there's no bullet club lead all they, all, we, all they want. But we know that on this side, he's the boss. He's the one that they answer to, as you just as you just uh, uh, said. So it's possible that, you know, I, I say he's getting the win. Of course, I don't see them. They Like I said, they we both know they always book him strong. They always book him strong. He beats Tanahashi, you know. And at the end of the day, Hangman Page is still an ROH guy. So yeah. I I say they're gonna give it to Bad Luck Fale. He's gonna go. He's gonna go far in the tournament. Um, but he's not my pick. And we'll, we'll discuss that when we get to it. Let's uh let's take a look at the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi Huckleberry number one. The ace is kind of in a weird place this year going into the uh, G1 Climax. Uh, where do you see Tanahashi kind of kind of falling inside of the hierarchy here of the A block come the end of the tournament? Yeah, I think, with, you know, with the name power here, you know, at first glance, I was thinking maybe this is, you know, maybe he emerges from this thing or, you know, makes a decent run at it. I think you'll probably see him, you know, in the top half, but could this be a spot where, you know, you use that star power to really give someone else or, you know, maybe two other individuals, like two really big quality wins. That very well could be. Of course, my, my biggest question when it comes to Tanahashi is how is his body going to hold up going through this grueling tournament? This could just be one of those things where the ace's body kind of fails him. A-Track Brown, where do, where do you see Tanahashi kind of filling in the gaps here inside of the A block? Well, um... I think that the 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 ace is so uh, uh, slowly turning into uh, what do you, what what do they call the legends? Um, what do they call them? See, you got to go and put me on the spot the, now. And, the, and, and, the, well, he he's he's becoming one of the legends at the end of the day. Uh, he is I a legend. He's a living using. legend. Yeah, absolutely. He is, a, he is a living legend. But he's getting. I I feel that he's getting to to that point where it's like he's um, Yuji Nagata, uh, so to speak. He's getting to that early stages where he's there to put on great matches, but also to put over younger talent. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think for the first time, we're going to see Tanahashi in like maybe possibly the biggest uh, disappointing G1 he's ever had. That sucks. That sucks. I think you're right. Well, it, it, you know, if he's if he's gonna give one of those, that, it's time to put that dog to pasture, man. It's, if he's gonna if he's gonna give off a few big wins here, who do you see really capitalizing the most for you know a big win over the ace? This could be a place where you see Hangman Page 
actually get a big win over Hiroshi Tanahashi, even though he doesn't get a lot of wins inside of the tournament. A win over Tanahashi still establishes Hangman as a player inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I tell you right now, I think uh, Hangman Page has a win over him. I think Jay White will have a win over him. Um, I think Okada Evil. will have a win over him. Uh, I think Evil will lose. I, I'm going to say Evil Evil will lose because you know you have still you got four, four young four young upstarts. I think I guess you can still call Yoshihashi a young talent. I oh come on, Yoshihashi's like seventy two. <laughs> All right, we'll leave him out of there. So you, so you got Hangman Page, Evil, and Jay White. So then, at the end of the day, yeah, he could take a loss by all three, and it's possible he'll he'll win against the rest, with the exception of Okada. I see Okada beating Tanahashi. I don't see Michael Elgin winning. I don't see Suzuki winning, and I don't see Makabe winning. Even though, like I said, I think this is going to be his his most disappointing. I can't see. Um, I could see uh, Suzuki winning, but I can't see Maccabi or Elgin beating him. Of course, New Japan Pro Wrestling is very, very high on the switchblade Jay White, and he just lost the IWGP United States Championship. Could we uh, have Jay White go running through the A block and firmly establish him as a main event player, kind of like they did with Zack Sabre Jr. inside of the New Japan Cup? RBV, what do you think of that? Totally, totally wouldn't shock me at all, Jargo. As you said, man, they have been hot on this guy since since day one, since you know, since he returned uh, to New Japan. They've been pushing him to the moon. It it baffles me. I don't completely get it. I'm not a big fan of Jay White, uh, but they are, and they're going to move in this direction. So I I don't think we should be surprised at all if, if White's you know emerges from this thing. And hell, I don't know if he actually would actually capture the overall championship here, you know, or just, you know, the tournament, but definitely get to the finals. I could see them absolutely investing in Jay White, although I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't really get it. Although I do think that match with Juice Robinson inside of the Cow Palace, that was a five-star match. And I, I wonder if something has finally clicked inside of Jay White. Uh, A-Track Brown, what do you think of uh, Switchblade Jay White? I think Switchblade Jay White as uh, since that um since that G1 special at that G1 special uh gave us a prime example of how it's of how someone who gets no reaction can end up with the biggest one um what he did in the, uh, at at that special was absolute fucking genius uh I was on threads where people at the end of the match were just in awe of of his antics and the way he carried himself in that match. And this was somebody that, I have to be honest with you, a lot of people just do not give a damn about. Um, the Japanese fans may be gravitating to him, but the American fans, for the most part, it's hard to make that connection with this gimmick and that face. Uh, so it, 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 he got a lot of flack, you know, and it, he got a lot of, I could say, Roman Reigns heat in, in some ways. But after the special, become a lot, lot more interesting, and we need to see more of that dickish Jay White straight up. Like he has to even go after the Japanese commentary now, you know, uh, uh, smack red shoes around and whatnot. He's got a little, little bit of a Minoru Suzuki in him. That's what he had at that G1 special. And if he brings that to the G1 tournament, uh, if he doesn't win, he will have impressed a lot of people. Uh, I think a lot of American fans will probably still be a little bit 
uh, perturbed if he goes far. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I think the only other possibility inside of the A block to actually win this thing that uh, somebody that we absolutely have to talk about would be British heavyweight champion Minoru Suzuki. Uh, Is there any chance Suzuki could emerge from the A block and go to the finals? Huckleberry number one, what do you think of Suzuki winning the A block? I was going to say... Man, that is a tough call there. As you as you kind of weigh the options, sure, there's a chance there. I'm going to call that as a long shot, though. I'm looking for him to to, to make a lot of noise. I mean, we're, he's going to be a lot of pop moments. The guy's just freaking vicious. Um, but now, I, track. What do you think, brother? I'm kind of stumped on this one. I think Minoru Suzuki is going to be on a balance. You know, he's going to win one. He's going to lose one. He might, you know, might win two in a row, might win, might lose two in a row. I think the whole purpose of Minoru Suzuki being in this tournament is to make it tough on the winner as much as possible. I I, I can tell you, I wholeheartedly believe that whoever wins against Minoru Suzuki will be in the worst position than people who actually lose to him. So, uh, you know, Minoru Suzuki to me is that entertainment factor of the of the uh of the b block i mean of the a block when you look at it uh let's be honest with ourselves who will be the most entertaining to watch in this entire a block entertainment yeah. wise yeah it's Not just it's you know entertained by the match but exactly so uh um, when it comes to I the personality it, suzuki is the biggest personality yes we got the killers in the a block and he is the main killer He's the he's the alpha the alpha of the A block. <laughs> he's the double A. <laughs> so Suzuki will do it. Well, it doesn't matter if he wins or if he loses. We're not we're not. Are we actually watching this to see if Suzuki wins? Honestly, are we expecting Suzuki to win? No. What are we expecting to see him hurt people? And that's all I want to see. What that's all. Right, I don't man. care if he wins or if he loses. When it comes to Suzuki, it's just about the pure violence. You know, fuck the wins and losses. It's exactly. people survive. <laughs> I like Suzuki it. Suzuki winning the G1 is just as ridiculous as Braun Strowman walking around with that damn briefcase. All right? So his job is to kill. That is it. That uh, is it. I, you know, over over in the Hameen Media Discussion Group, we, we had just that recent that it was a pretty hot thread. You know, everyone always gets on New Japan because of, like, the junior style. Well, I, got, I jumped right in there and said, okay, you sons of bitches, you want to knock New Japan here? Go watch some of these matches. Watch watch the Pitbull and Suzuki. And then you come back and tell us that they're they're over choreographed pussies. You saw that video of that of that Asian guy dunking his kid in the water? That was Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> he was mad because his son lost the fight. <laughs> uh I, I, I actually read a, a interview with Suzuki the other day. He was telling a story about Abdullah the Butcher. And Abdullah the Butcher is the guy that taught Suzuki to stab people with forks because nobody stabs people with forks. And Suzuki's like laughing through the entire interview as he's talking about Abdullah the Butcher teaching him to stab people with forks. Just He is just a terrifying man. Let's, uh, let's jump over to the B block. Let's take a look at the B block overview here. And uh, we, we, we have uh, all the champions 
are in the B block. We have uh, the Roman Reigns of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Hiroki Goto, the never open weight <laughs> champion. We have uh, Kota Ibushi, Tomohiro Ishii, Tetsuya Naito, Kenny Omega, the IWGP heavyweight champion, Juice Robinson, the IWGP United States champion, Zack Sabre Jr., Sonata, Tama Tonga, and that fucking bastard Toru Yano. Toru Yano is going to get a win over Goto, Ibushi, Ishii, Nato, Omega, Robinson, Saber, Sonata, <laughs> or Tamatonga. Any of which is a complete fucking insult. But you know Yano is going to win exactly one match, and it will be by some stupid-ass shenanigans. And the whole point of him being in the tournament is to just hold your breath to see which one of these... In- Incredible talents this fucking bastard is going to fucking sneak a win out on. I hate Toru Yano so much. Uh, so, dude, so, dude, just go ahead, and push, go ahead and push that vein back inside your fucking forehead. Oh. Hey, track are you down with Toru Yano? Uh, uh, no, I can't. I can't. I can't be. He's oh, always God. he's always uh, given a loss to people that I like, which means Juice Robinson is in trouble. When he pinned Zack Sabre Jr. at the freaking G1 special in San Francisco, I was so fucking mad. I was I was, was livid. I was livid. Just livid. Let's take a look at uh, the the real contenders here. Uh, let's let's start with uh, hands down the most interesting person in the tournament. Is there any snowballs chance in hell? Tamatonga wins this tournament. Uh, based on what we're seeing, I can understand if American fans think, hey, Tamatonga just might win because look what he did with Kenny Omega. Uh, I think we see a semifinal. I think it's possible. I think they'll build up a story like that. And um, But in all honesty, I do not see him winning. But I do see him... Uh, Possibly beating Kenny Omega, he can he he can lose to everyone and just beat Kenny Omega and and with everything that's happened in the Bullet Club, all that really matters in this whole thing for Tama Tonga. Of course, last year going into the G1, we kind of saw a very very similar story. We saw Tama Tonga kind of starting to rise up in the ranks in the Bullet Club, and maybe he was a little unsatisfied. And then come their match inside of the G1 tournament, Kenny Omega whipped the big dick out and slapped Tama Tonga right across his stupid face with it. Uh, I don't expect <laughs> the same uh, story this year, do you, Huckleberry? Well, let me ask: Where do we know when that match is scheduled to happen? July twenty-first. So where does that actually fall? I mean, is that going to be towards the end there? No, it's it's very early in the tournament. That's the second week of the oh, tournament. Oh, shit, yeah. Damn, it's, I was going to say it's middle of July. Damn. Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. They That's where they position that thing. I'm fully expecting uh, Tonga to get the big win over the champ because, hey, as Rack was saying, all you need is that big win to guarantee you a future title opportunity. Uh, I, I think it would have been much more interesting to see, and I'm surprised it didn't go this route, to not even only have Tonga get that big win over Omega, but also have the loss cost Omega a chance to go to the finals of the tournament. How about Tama Tonga and Kota Ibushi? I'm not sure when that match happens, but uh, that is a match that could also be very, very telling when it comes to this firing squad and Golden Elite storyline. Well, um, Kota Bushi versus Tama Tonga uh, is going to be interesting because, yes, uh, the attacks that happened 
at the at the G one spe- at the G one special. This is all. That was that's what it was all about. It was about him losing last year and sending the messages this year. Um, that's why you know it happened at the G one special. The timing is perfect. Um, Kota Ibushi, by the way, is my pick. I say he takes it. Um, the B block semifinal, whatever the elimination. I believe it's possible could be between him and Tamatanga, you know, or or between him and Kenny Omega. But I believe that Kota Ibushi is going to win and face Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom. So um, we might just see a semifinal with Tamatanga uh, for the B block anyway, for the advancement uh, between Tamatanga and Ibushi. Interesting. I, I think it's it's really hard, Jargo. It's really hard to argue with track on that one. I, I think he... The way he lays it out there, you almost got to you know put the smart money behind Coda uh, in this thing. You know that would be the logical thing. That would be the logical thing, and I agree with Eight Track Brown. I think it is going to be Kota Ibushi versus Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom, but I do not think that Kota Ibushi is winning the G1 Climax. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Zack Saber Jr. Of course, he ran through the New Japan Cup uh, and uh, just made everybody. Tap out. My God, I hope we have Takamichi Noku for this tour. Um, any chances Zack Sabre Jr. repeats his success from the New Japan Cup and uh, makes a run through the B block here? Rick, what do you think? You know, I think he just needs to really focus right now and worry about that that big match with Yano. Oh, no. You know, maybe if he overcomes Yano, <laughs> he's got a chance. Maybe he's got a chance at this thing. <sighs> Hey, they've shown that they, you know, they're ready to invest. They believe in in Saber, but man, do you really think that they would go out on that much of a limb to give him that big of a year in two in two big tournaments? No, I don't. But it's a nice possibility to talk about. Fill some airtime, you know. Track, what do you think? Where do you see Zach Saber Jr. kind of falling in this thing? I, I want to see Zach Saber Jr. get those bones crushed by Ishii. Yeah, that's what I'm talking uh, about. That's 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 what I want to see. I want to see Ishii just put this dude through the ring. This cocky son of a bitch, <laughs> as we call him, the colonizer Zack Saber Jr. He's got to get colonized by Ishii. <laughs> I want Ishii to rain on him like Hiroshima. Oh, you tremendous! <laughs> it's like he's got to he's got to he's that's 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 uh my that would be my highlight of the B block just to see Zack Sabre Jr. get absolutely crushed it would be like watching James Elworth get his ass kicked by Brock Lesnar I just want to see this dude get I want I want Ishii to get in this dude's ass plain and simple that's it Tremendous. And, I, and, and I can't wait for that uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Kenny Omega. Of course, uh, if Kenny Omega would win the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax, he would get to name his own challenger at Wrestle Kingdom. Perhaps we could get to Ibushi versus Omega that way. But I don't think that's going to happen either. I don't think Omega's going to make it all the way even to the finals coming out of the B block. The question is, how many people are going to beat Kenny Omega and how many of those matches are going to go to a time limit draw? I think Tomatonga, like I said, I think Tomatonga beats Omega. Uh, I think Nadaido and Omega could actually go into a draw. I don't see Robinson beating Omega. Um, of course, I could see Yano. Who knows with Yano? It's a, it's a toss-up with Yano. Oh, my God. Uh, it's, it's whatever whatever trick 
whatever trick Yano has up his sleeve, if he's able to pull it off. If Yano um, pins Kenny Goto Omega, losing. so help me God. So help me God. <laughs> the surprise win, I think, in my opinion, and I think the best match that Omega might have in this tournament is not even against Obushi. I think it'll be against Sonata. I think that'll probably be his best match, and I think Sonata would win. Um, as, like I said, I... I think this guy is the future, and I think with this B-block, we might see that out of Sonata. I think Sonata might have some classic-ass matches with these guys in this B-block. So I think the one to really have the best match with Kenny and beat him would be Sonata. Uh, uh, but it's very possible that Omega and Obushi uh, uh, go at it, and um, Omega beats Obushi. And what if, for say, for some strange reason, Omega wins the G1 and says, hey, I want to face Kota. <laughs> you know, if, if Koto doesn't win, it's possible that that Omega could win and and, and just choose him. It's possible. I can't, I can't see Omega. I can't see Ibushi not winning, but taking the briefcase off, off of of somebody for some strange reason. I can't see that. I could see Omega winning and choosing Ibushi as his tournament. I mean, as his, as his uh, as his opponent, I could see that happening. Rick, when you look through this list of people inside of the B block, rather than looking at Wrestle Kingdom, who do you think is going to beat Kenny Omega in the G1 and challenge him at King of Pro Wrestling for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship? You know, a lot of what Track had to say, it's hard, it's hard to dispute there. Uh, obviously, I agree with Tonga. Hard to argue that Sonata, you know, he's that rising, rising, rising star that eventually they see as an ace. He could get in that spot. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I definitely could see a, one of like a big surprise and Juice Robinson stealing a victory there. Juice can roll a motherfucker up. Juice can roll a motherfucker up. Uh, Wouldn't be shocked by. It. Now let me ask you guys you something. Know, you guys, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think about that. I completely forgot. The, if it, it's the first person who pins the champ gets that title shot, right? Yep. Oh, then that's going to Tamatanga. Now, if, let me ask you guys. You guys know so much more. I've just really gotten into New Japan over you know the last year. Omega wins this thing. Does he have to choose from one of the competitors in the G1, or could he choose any opponent in the world? Um, as far as I know, he can choose anyone. I mean, that could throw an interesting twist into the thing. What you think? You think Kenny Omega is going to challenge AJ Styles? Well, I, you don't. You don't know where people are going to be at the time. I mean, it's something you could just keep that you could drag out. That would be interesting. And, and I know where you're thinking kind of with in your logic, Jargo, is that the winner will lose the opportunity, correct? That's where I stand. That's where I stand. And let, let, let's talk about the guy that I think is actually going to win the entire tournament. And that is Tetsuya Naito. I think he is going to win the damn G1 again. And once again, I think Tetsuya Naito is going to get screwed out of his main event at Wrestle Kingdom when he loses to Kota Ibushi throughout the tournament, and then Kota Ibushi takes the briefcase from Tetsuya Naito. I have no idea where 8-Track Brown went. I was going to say, we have to fill him back in on this. We just want to pause for a sec. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. What's up, wrestling fanatics? This is Hunting by Rabbit Junk. They are a sweet fucking industrial band that you've probably never heard of, which is a fucking terrible thing. You know why? Because... 
because you like it, don't you? I'm Hobbs Caltus. Journey with me into the unknown. Every Wednesday, we will explore the underground on the H-Bombs Underground Bunker at bloodrockmedia.com. So what I was just proposing, Track, is I think Naito is going to win the damn G1 again. But I think throughout the G1, at some point, Kota Ibushi is going to pin Tetsuya Naito, and then he is going to challenge Naito for the briefcase, and Ibushi is going to win the briefcase from Naito. And once again, Tetsuya Naito is going to get screwed out of the main event at Wrestle Kingdom. Well, um, my, my pick, like I said, my pick is Kota Ibushi. Uh, what you said does does makes sense with with Naito. Um it seems like his story is always getting screwed over some way somehow. Um especially when it comes to Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, and I know I know a lot of people are questioning uh what are they doing with Naito at this moment? You know, why is it why is he not champion yet? And and I've questioned that too. Um we can't forget, you know, with the King of Pro Wrestling we can't forget that um, he has a score to settle with Jericho. Um, so it's very possible that he goes into Wrestle Kingdom facing Jericho and getting that IC title back. That's why I don't see him winning. There is that. There and is Jericho that. could be the reason. There is that. Huckleberry, what do you think of that? Do you want to see Naito versus Jericho too? I think you know it was tremendous, tremendous first match. I think there's money in a second round there, and you got to come kind of full circle. I I wouldn't be surprised, but do you think they'll wait that long before they pull the trigger on this? Because I mean, how long do you really have Jericho around? I mean, with everything that he does, you know, Jericho kind of is what, he's one of those. He's in that class where he kind of goes and does what he wants, when he wants, where he wants. Well, then if that's the case, you don't have then you then, then it's at King of Pro Wrestling and not um, instead of uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom. Well, see, I think you have Jericho for two matches. I think at King of Pro Wrestling, he faces evil because it seems like they built that up to for, so Jericho could actually have a title defense, have him defend against evil, and then he would lose the title at Wrestle Kingdom. But I had kind of thought that he would lose the Intercontinental Championship to Kazuchika Okada. That, that, that's a possibility. That is a possibility. I just I, the, the thing that just doesn't escape my mind is the fact that Naito did lose to Jericho, and I would think that Gato would book this so Naito gets his win back. I think the like, problem I, is Naito hates the Intercontinental Championship, so he has no that, desire yeah. to win it back. I yeah. think that's the problem. <laughs> that might yeah. They still running that. They're still running that story with with, with Naito. Well, I mean, the last time, I mean, when he. He had to go find the belt so he could even bring it to the ring for Jericho to win the damn thing. I mean, after he won the belt from Suzuki, we never even saw him with the title. That is true. Oh, sorry. I had to take a drink there. Had to take a drink. Um, Anybody else? I mean, like, I would love to see Ishii come out of the B block, but that's not going to happen. They're not going to push Hiroki Goto to that point at this point in his career at least i would hope not even though he is the roman reigns of new japan pro wrestling um yeah i think i think that pretty much covers the uh b block so uh let's go ahead and get early predictions um i'm going with a nato versus okada final eight track brown what is your final 
my final is um, Ibushi versus Okada. Huckleberry number one. I- I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Ibushi versus Jay White. Ooh, bold prediction oh. there. Bold prediction. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Are you are you betting the house on that one? Well, wait, what's my odds? I'll throw down some money under there. <laughs> hey, you I just wouldn't be the house on that one. And I think I think White getting that opportunity over Okada really tells that great story there, you know, with the dissension among, amongst chaos. I would if Jay White's going to win it. If Jay White's going to win it, I would love to see Jay it. White. Ibushi versus White, man, you're gonna give A Track Brown a freaking heart attack over here. It, no, no, I'm saying if it's Ibushi versus White, then you know Ibushi's winning. I, I, yeah, there's no way, no yeah. way you can convince me Jay White is winning that match. No, no I, I wouldn't have. I think the biggest rub he gets is getting to that final. But there's no way in hell if he got there he'd win this damn thing. It's, uh, okay, it's, okay, Ibushi okay. all day. I'm not saying it, but I think I think just White getting to the finals over Okada helps set up that story within Chaos. I think I think uh, I think going into the final night, going into the final match of the tournament, which is Ibushi versus Omega. All right, I think that you have to have Naito up by two points, and I think that it has to be that if Omega wins the match, then he wins the B block. If Ibushi wins, then he wins the B block and NATO wins when Ibushi and Omega go to a time limit draw. I think that's how the, how the B block plays out. So the last time we had a time limit draw in the G one, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's possible we could see one again. It's possible. Yep. That's what I'm going I just I just can't picture it because I've never I don't even remember ever seeing a, a freaking time limit draw. Nate NATO wins the B block by not even being in the final match. That's the I think that's the story I'm gonna go with in the B block. So uh let who do you guys got winning then? You, you eight tracks going to Bushi. I'm with him on the Ibushi train. You're going, you're going Ibushi, and I'm going with Naito to win the G1 yet again, and then lose the briefcase to Ibushi. That's 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 my official prediction. Let's take a look at the matches for this weekend. We've got uh, Saturday night one of the tournament. We have Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Minoru Suzuki. Talk about a way to start off the goddamn tournament. Jesus Christ. Togi Makabe versus Bon Jovi. I mean, Yoshihashi. Uh, Michael, <laughs> Michael Elgin takes on Evil. Okada versus Jay White. Bad Luck Fale versus Hangman Page. Uh, which one of these matches do you think is going to steal the night, Huggleberry? I think, you know, looking for this first night, I think at the in-ring, Okada versus White. But I think what we probably are going to be talking about, the hot story coming out, is going to be Vale versus Hangman. I think the match of the night is going to be Tanahashi versus Suzuki. 8-Track Brown, where do you stand? Um, mm, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Tanahashi and Suzuki, too. I, I think I'm going to go with that. I, just I think, think I am. Those two guys and their experience... They are going to give you a match for the ages to start this tournament veterans. off the right way. To start this tournament off the right way, that's that's going to be your match of the night. Although I, it may not be the biggest story, like Huckleberry said, coming out of night one. Uh, night two, we have Juice Robinson taking on Tama Tonga. 
Hiroki Goto taking on Sonata. Ishii taking on Yano. That one scares the shit out of me. Uh, Kenny Omega takes on Tetsuya Naito. And Kota Ibushi looks to avenge his loss in the New Japan Cup to Zack Sabre Jr. Both of these nights are freaking lit. Talk about starting the tournament off the right way. Sunday night. Rick, what 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 match do you think I am going to have to put aside so I can actually sit and watch Extreme Rules and not want to bash my head into a wall? I was going to say if we're stacking up Sunday nights on you know the different sides of the world, I think uh, Japan's got the hotter wrestling action. Uh, earlier in the show, we were on with Ben Hafi talking about Extreme Rules, and I mean it, at times it was we were reaching to find anything to, to be interested in in some of these matches. This is a stacked lineup, but how can you argue the main event here on this night? Ibushi and Saber. Yeah that, yeah, that New Japan Cup match, if you have not seen Kota Ibushi versus Zack Saber Jr., go back and look that one up. Uh, but you know, I'm, Brown. I'm, also, I'm, oh. I'm looking forward to also Juice versus Tonga in that, in that first uh, G1 match of the night. I think that's just going to be fun, just something personally I'll be interested in. Tama Tonga is going to destroy poor Juice Robinson. That's what's going to happen. A-Track Brown, that's which match are you looking forward to on Sunday? Oh, this is without a doubt Naito versus no- Omega. Without a doubt. I'm terrified. You might, might be in for a match of the year. I'm I'm afraid that Yano might pin Ishii. <laughs> that can't happen. Death. <laughs> that can't happen. How about this? Yano pins Ishii on Sunday, and then somehow on the other side of the world, Ellsworth becomes the SmackDown Live women's champion. <laughs> I could I see I, both I of those things happening. I could see both of those things happening. Uh, I don't have no interest in extreme rules whatsoever. <laughs> Maybe lastly versus versus Reigns just to see who wins, but that's about it. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's gonna be so bad. I just want to see Brock Lesnar come out and destroy them both. So let's take a look yeah. at Monday. Let's take a look at Monday. Uh, Monday, there's a couple of interesting matches on the docket as well before they get their uh, first uh, couple day break. Uh, Yoshihashi takes on Evil, so we finally get to see uh, Bon Jovi fight Evil face to face. Kazuchika Okada takes on Bad Luck Fale. That's going to be a fun match, I'm, I'm quite sure. Then we also have uh, Big Mike Elgin taking on Hangman Page. That could be a, a big chance for Hangman to get his first victory of the tournament. Minoru Suzuki is going to tap out Togi Makabe. And then your main event, I'm really looking forward to this one. Hiroshi Tanahashi takes on Switchblade Jay White. A-Track Brown, what do you think of Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Switchblade Jay White? Um, I think that's going to be a very interesting uh, uh, match, but my 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 focus is on the killers, man. Uh, Makabe versus versus Suzuki. That that's that's what I'm looking forward to. I told you, man. I just want to see people get killed, and two people are going to die. I mean, do you, do you realize that you're going to you're going to see two murders, a double homicide? <laughs> Rick, have you ever heard Togi Makabe talk? You know, I can't say that I have. I've, I've seen his work and all that. I just don't think I've ever heard him talk. But if I'm learning one thing here is that track loves just absolute pure fucking violence. He's yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm a natural born killer. Hey, track. You you've heard Makabe talk, right? Yes, I have. He sounds and like a fucking you dragon. You motherfucker. He sounds like a Japanese dragon. 
I think the only Japanese dragon I've ever heard talk is Shenron. <laughs> so that's the only one I'm gonna have to go off of. Is my uh, my only like my real experience in the Japanese culture is all through Dragon Ball. So that's what I've got. Tremendous, tremendous. How about Okada versus Fale? You tell from Atrak Brown, and now you have to deal with Mister Sato, Michael Jago. You have. Tournament review and not have Sato? <laughs> Coward! And you call yourself Mr. Huckleberry. And you talk about dragon. And you do not talk to Mr. Sato. You know, when you come to Japan and the kids see you, they're going to say, hey, 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 Mr. Coward. Because that's what you are. You are responsible for all action. And now... You disrespect me. You dishonor me. I wait a long time for this. Just like Miyagi, I come for you. You see what y'all did? You see what y'all did? You see, you see, first of all, Mr. Sato only appears on a PW Hustle. But the fact that y'all had this and didn't invite him, I had to just let him on. And, and God, man, next time you have to show some respect. Can't be talking about dragons and 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 not talk about Mr. Sato and at least have some respect. I apologize, Mr. Sato. Apologies Let's to Sato son. Apologies to Sato son. Excellent. Let's talk about uh, Kazuchika Okada. <laughs> Kazuchika Okada. <laughs> Okada taking on Bad Luck Fale. Uh, wh- where do you guys see this one going? I, this is a big chance for the firing squad to make a statement too. This could be the match where Okada just gets pummeled and realizes that maybe he should start taking this tournament a little bit more seriously. Huckleberry, what do you think? Yeah, I could definitely, you know, as we kind of laid it out there before, you know, he comes out of the gate kind of slow and then builds that momentum back up. I think this would be a, a huge win, you know, especially for the firing squad, for the OGs, for Fale and it, like you said, this could be Okada gets his ass handed to him. He's got to turn his game around after you know going down, you know, losing a couple matches. You have him. If, let's see here. If he drops to white and then drops this one, he, bef- he definitely has to get his ass in gear. So I mean, it's tough to go with. It'd be interesting to see which direction they go. I like it. Firing squad over strong. A track Brown. What do you think? Bad luck, Fale, Kasuchika Okada. Um, I think that um, Okada probably is going to lose. I think, didn't he lose to uh, Fale uh, a few years back in the opening round? Yep. You know, Fale kind of owns him when it comes to the to the opening round at this point. Um, and like I said, you know, with, with, the, with the transformation that he's made, I think they're going to want him to come out looking serious as always. I think that's just the way that they, that they have him. Yep, I'm with it. I'm with it. That's going to wrap up the G1 preview. A-Track Brown, thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, why don't you don't tell thank people? thank me, man. Thank Mr. Sato for not taking over the damn thing. He's scaring me now. Once again, apologies, so, Sato-san. Apologies yeah. to Sato-san. <laughs> A-Track Brown, how do, how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you on social media and tell them about the PW Hustle? Well, if, if the freaks and the geeks want to find me, all they have to know is a friend with weed is a friend indeed, and my Japanese is better. Um... <laughs> but you can find me at Fire of Fancy on Twitter, and you can find me at Tony Flags with a Z on Twitter. You can also find me at the PW Hustle 
uh, YouTube uh, channel, PW Hustle, PW Hustle 2, home of the reactions. And, of course, you can find me on the Hacker Hameen Media at, on Podbean from time to time. And, of course, the PW Hustle Facebook group page. So now the big money question. A-Track Brown. Can I be A-Track Green now? Uh, call you know meeting. what? Call the meeting. I'll call the meeting. I'll call the meeting, sir. I'm definitely, we're definitely going to talk about this. We are definitely going to talk about this. That's you have, I'll tell you right now, you have my vote. You have my vote. So it's all one uh, down. It's, it's exactly one down, three to go. Three to go. <laughs> three to go. Yo, fellas, it's been real. I got to thank you. I have to tend to a daughter with some strange bites on her face and I have to find out what the hell's going on. Go enjoy so, your Chinese I, food, my brother. Yeah, thank you, brother. Thank you, you Jack. Thanks, man. Good. This is the Messiah of Pain, Punishment Martinez. You're listening to The Locker Room with Jargo and RDV. All right, Huckleberry. That's it, man. That's it. finish our stuff, right? Yeah, I guess we got to do our stuff. So let's let's record the close, and then we'll go back and we'll re-record the open because, you know, God bless fucking editing, right? God bless editing. God bless editing. So that's going to wrap things up for Season 2, Episode 27. But fret not, Huckleberries, as RBV and I will be back in your ear holes this Monday in the locker room over at hackerhameen.podbean.com to break down all the matches that we've talked about today. Get ready for yet another marathon of an episode. Until then, you can visit our friends over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Hit us on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Email us at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. As always, you can find me across all social Social media platforms at not jargo rbv how does mrs Voorhees baby boy find you uh of, as always you can find me across all social media at the real rbv uh just like yourself each and every week over at one wrestling video on youtube uh your show is on wednesdays i jumped the gate on you a little bit early but you get a you get more you get a better topic i have to go through and break down two nights of wwe programming but luckily by my side on Smack Talk is our good friend, Big Ray Hernandez. You can catch us there each and every week, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, as we go live for our show at One Wrestling Video. Hey, and as I always do, I like to invite everyone to head on over to Facebook to check us out in the Hami Media Discussion Group. Uh, but particularly this week, make sure that you're making a point to get on over there. We've got our Extreme Rules Pick'em Challenge, and this is this is kind of a, big, a, a bigger event that we're going to have because it's going to be the first time since the beginning of the Peck of the pack that I'm not involved in it. I've actually handed over the reins to, uh, to some great pro wrestling enthusiasts. that have got some great ideas to take this thing to the next level. So make sure that you're going over there and looking for the, the pick them challenge. How does uh, money MacGyver feel about that? Is he still the general manager? Uh, you know, he's, uh, I guess he was trying to negotiate, you know, his out in the deal. Uh, I've got a big announcement that with my out, but, I, here's what I really like when I actually I asked the guys if they'd like to take it take it over for me. It's not that yeah, I still had a great deal of passion for, it, but with you know all the shows that we do each and every week and so much else going on, um, a lot but, of work. You know, personal personal work is growing. I just didn't have the commitment that I that I felt that it deserved and that it needed. These guys want to take the levels, but when I asked them, they said, "Well, don't you need to run this by uh, by MacGyver first, <laughs> by <laughs> by money?" 
Oh. So at least, hey, at least hey, we were keeping our KFAB so strong that everyone believed that he actually was doing something. KFAB lives matter. KFAB lives matter. Season two, episode 28. We're off like a prom dress. See ya!